Here we are. Here we go. Another week, another show. How you feeling? I'm feeling good. Thank you. Eagles got the win on Monday night. The dream is still alive. Oh. And it's Wednesday slash Thursday, which means Josh is in the building. Hey, Whoa. I am in the building. And he brought himself a pretty cool sweater. And a hot chocolate. Mm. How's your in-laws? They're good. Good. Yeah, they actually, uh, Erica's mom texted me yesterday and said, quote, my man, Josh Fendrick. Wow. She's heard the rap. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Also heard our discussion about Magic Mondays in Atlanta. Oh. So, did she Google that? I hope not. Well, Josh's in laws, don't worry. He would never be seen at Magic Mondays never. in Atlanta. My first not. question is do they say, so you're into magic? No, they, they didn't bring it up, which is good. But, oh, there's some magic that goes on I there. Believe Shout it. out again to Kevin underscore raps. Follow him on IG. The Sims and Lefko anthem was awesome. It's cool to see people in the comment section supporting him. Uh, did you talk to him anymore? We DM'd a little bit yesterday. He's pumped. I know I where he lives. That's cool. You told me where he lives. Oh, yeah. I, I know exactly where he, where he is. Right by the, uh, the, you know, the Austin. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I know exactly where you are, Kevin. Nowhere near Rod Simba. Man, I used to wander my way down to those parts for things that I won't tell you about on this a whole, podcast. They had a Whole Foods there when you were in college? I don't think there was a Whole Foods nah. there at that time. No, I don't. I don't think Whole Foods was around back then. Yeah, but uh, but Austin was certainly like like somewhat cutting edge with that stuff because it was very granola. So, you know, there was it was starting to be into the health food thing just as I was leaving, right? Gotcha. Yeah. So I'm getting a lot, this is completely unrelated. Mm. I'm getting a lot of like texts from people being like, you're going to be home for the holidays. We have our, golly, it's going to be my like 15th year high school anniversary, which is wild. Right. Um, do NFL athletes go to reunions? No. I mean, unless it's like, right. Like, do you like, do NFL athletes show up to the 10 year reunion or the 15 year? There's no such thing. Like, unless you want a Super Bowl. That's the only time right. you, you go talking, back. Are you talking about the reunion of the team or like their actual high no, school? No, I reunions? mean like their high school reunions. Oh, uh, yeah. I know. I mean, I haven't gone. I've missed out. I know. I went to like some high school football things and was a part of that. But no, I have not. I know we had a reunion not long ago, and I didn't go. Yeah, I I never know who. Like, do you go to reunions? No, I I see and talk to the people that I want to talk to, and that's it. Yeah, I wonder if like reunions were a thing and then social media came around because like you really like this is my one chance to catch up with people after 10 years. And now with social media, it's like, no, I, I've seen your kids. I know yeah. your dog and that vacation two years ago looked nice. Man, yeah, and that's a good point. And I don't know why you waste your time with kept, kept keeping up with everybody on social media either. I just do it to make fun of them. <laughs> you do? <laughs> I'll be like, God, look at this. I have he really ate a lot of Twinkies. To the old man part of my life. Leave me alone. Not where I'm like that, but I wanted, I just go like, I, I just got to be with the people that are involved in my life. I can't try to be friends and keep in contact with every person I've ever known in history. It's just too hard. That was the weirdest thing. Then I feel like I'm match. like neglecting my kids and everything else, and they're too important for me. The weirdest thing about the match was like, I got like seven DMs from people that I haven't talked to in like a decade. Right. And they were like, so like maybe I'll see you around the city. And I was like, no, that's eh, not how. Probably not. That's yeah. not how life works. Yeah. Unless we run into each other on the street. I, I just remember I was in Nebraska, and I remember Facebook was just getting going. Like, like really to everybody, not just people in schools. And I remember I covered this guy, and he was like living on a farm in the middle of nowhere. And I said, man, you got to get on this. Facebook, like you, you can connect with people. It's like, don't you want to see people? He goes, Sir, I live in the middle of Nebraska. I'm not trying to see anybody. That sounds awful. And I was like, 
Counterpoint taken. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> like he was like he was like my next door neighbor. I describe it's over the hill and around the water tower. I don't even know what street he's on. Right. I right. was like, oh wow. Yeah. Uh, Eagles beat Washington. Yes, with they did. Mark Sanchez at their quarterback. Ooh, unbelievable. Uh, who actually was having a good drive until he held it on too long and, and got destroyed. Yeah. Eagles now still have a chance. Yeah. And they're facing the Dallas Cowboys this weekend. Right. Where if the Eagles somehow pull off the upset in Dallas, it gets really murky in the NFC East. Yes, it does. Now, the Eagles schedule is a lot tougher. The Rams, the Texans, and then you got Washington again, so that's good. But the Rams and Texans are tough. But a win in Dallas would, I believe... Like, that's the perfect game to shake the media to go, what suddenly happened with the Dallas Cowboys? Are the reigning Super Bowl champions back? Like, Monday morning will write itself if that happens. It would. I also go, ooh, the Cowboys played one of their three really big games last week. Right. They got that huge win over the Saints. It could all come back to earth. What do you think? Like, this is, this is the Eagles playing for their Super Bowl in one game. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I think all these teams are in the same boat. They're, they've been in the playoffs for two weeks already. Like, the whole NFC East, other than the Giants. Like, it's do or die time. I Don't you so, think the Eagles will be more desperate, though? I, I do, yes, certainly. I feel that I way. mean, the Cowboys are going to be feeling good about themselves. feeling great. Definitely. Winning There's no streak, question. Amari Cooper's fitting in. They're also like a team like you guys, though. When things are going good, they only get better, like you guys were last year. When they kind of got steamrolling, it was like, uh-oh, they're, they're, now they're feeling confident in steamrolling. Watch Especially out. Especially the Cowboys with that running game. Exactly. And, and the way their defense plays and feeds off of emotion. You guys match up with them still. Right? I mean, you really do. I mean, your run defense should be able to slow them down. You know, your weakness, of course, still is your secondary. I mean, which is really slow. I mean, hey, no, no disrespect to Adrian Peterson. You want to talk about that? Well, I mean, no That was dis- the first thing you texted. No disrespect to Adrian Peterson. That was an amazing that he ran for a 90-yard touchdown at his age. But, damn, those guys chasing him were slow. Holy cow. The worst part was the corner, <laughs> Sullivan. Yeah. Running with every ounce of his body. Was it Sullivan or LeBlanc? Which it might one have was been it? Cravon LeBlanc. And it was Rasul Douglas. All I know is he was running so hard and he was losing ground yeah. on Adrian Peterson. I know. That's I, scary. It is scary. Like, if that same run happened against the Dallas Cowboys, like Byron Jones and Shadobi Awuze would have tackled him at the 40. Like, it had been a 50 yard game. They would have run in it. front of Adrian Peterson, and high five each other. And then slap the ball yeah. a few times and then brought him down. But, um,. I mean, getting back to what you're saying, though, yeah, your Eagles have a chance. You definitely do. And especially with, you know, big fucker part two at quarterback. I mean, he just stands there and just throws rifles all over the field. So you're telling me every time you watch Carson Wentz, there's a party that goes, it's my freaking dad. A little bit, yes. Carson Wentz is my dad. I mean, yes, he is. He's a bigger, maybe a little bit better athlete. Uh, my dad was actually a much better athlete than people would remember before he got hurt early on in his career a bunch of times. But he does remind me of him, the way he acts and his man- mannerisms to a degree. But he's just amazing. Like, I know he threw the pick the, the other night, certainly. Right. And, hey, they threw a few screen passes. Oh, God forbid he gets that, the advantage of that. That made me so happy. Yes. Yeah, so they did that. But, man, some of his other throws, I mean, some of the throws down the middle to Ertz and things like that are just they're phenomenal. I mean, the throw on the run oh. as he's running to his right to Aguilar, I mean, that's, that's off-the-charts type stuff. So you always got a chance with him at QB. The touch to Golden Tate. Right. The 
emergence of, of Golden, Golden Tate. Tate. Yes, looking confident, and he looked faster all of a sudden. He did. It, How does that happen? I think it goes into like something you and I have talked about a lot, like when where the, the comfort of your away. brain, right? You know, when you're thinking, it's just hard to let it go. Sometimes you're going, wait, okay, what's my rules here? Okay, wait, I got to run this route this way, and make they want me to coach it this way, and sometimes you just can't let your physical ability come out. The true thing is, is Wentz is one of the great improvisers. Yeah, and I've always thought that you can make offense. What the Eagles did last year was a three-man game, yeah, especially in the RPO. Right. And with Josh Adams and Golden Tate, Golden's a great guy to read the quarterback's eyes and let me go back. Like he's like so the touchdown. That's what I'm saying. Right. And so if him and Carson can get on that flow, mm-hmm. then they become very dynamic. But yeah, the way people watch Carson Wentz, I don't understand. Yeah, it. you were telling me. A I'm in bit so that. many Eagles chats, and they're going, "Man, can Carson do anything other than throw screens?" And I'm sitting there going, "Guys, I've been waiting for them to throw screens all year." Right. But the rollout to Aguilar, the touch to Tate, the touchdown where he ran up, eluded the rush, and rolled right. Like I'm watching the game, going, "Can we? Is there any way we can give him an easy completion? Does he have to thread every ball through the needle other than the screen pass? Everything is pat pat, laser, 15 right. yards between two right. people. Yeah, I don't know sometimes what people see in Carson Wentz. It's it's really crazy to it's me. It's just the world we're in right now, and we're fighting this battle where everybody either blames or gives the quarterback credit. You and they're 6-on-6 six six because Carson Wentz. That's the only thing. They just see Nick Foles won the Super Bowl, Carson Wentz is in, and that's got to be the issue. The, the most interesting thing to me, too, is that Carson, I think, is at least on Monday night, played at a level like he did last year. Yeah. And normally that would impress me. And Mahomes has just ruined me. Like, nothing seems impressive anymore. No. It doesn't. No. Unless you're running and throwing with your left hand or, like, eluding a rush and then throwing 70 yards on a rope, it just doesn't seem impressive anymore. No. He's completely thrown out the scale. Yes. Like, Carson Wentz, that rollout and throw to Aguilar, yeah. I mean, that we would have been talking that for 45 minutes It was good, year. but it was the fourth best rollout throw of the week that I saw. I mean, it's really the, because I could go, nah, the Mahomes rollout, laser to Kelsey down the field. Josh Allen backed up in his own end zone, running to his left and uh, throwing a laser there. That was scary. Baker Mayfield running to the right one time during the game. He made a throw through like a cover two Callaway on the right sideline there. I can't, I think it was Jarvis Landry okay. that one. But it's the new modern day NFL quarterback is what we're talking about with those guys and your Carson Wentz, of course, because it's it you just the day of like oh, we're going to be Peyton Manning or Tom Brady and sit in the pocket and throw from the pocket all game long. It's kind of over right now. You have to be able to move to a degree unless you have just this unbelievable offensive line that can do that. But Completely off the rundown? Yeah. yeah. That's why I was laughing so hard Sunday watching Josh Rosen. When Josh Rosen had like a 40-yard run, yeah. me and Josh were like, go, go, go. It was go. unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. But when we did the draft analysis leading up, you said, my concern about Josh Rosen right. is he doesn't have the mobility that you need in today's NFL. Right. And all of a sudden, he's out, which may have been more of an indictment on the Packers defense. Well, a little bit, but he, he, was, he, he had like a 40, 50-yard run. Well, I think 20 years ago, he's a pretty good athlete at quarterback, but that bar has changed. Like we are, where I think if he came out in the mid-90s, we'd go, he moves pretty good for a pocket quarterback. We're happy with him, but all of that's changed because of some of the freaks we've seen in the sport over the last think, like five, six years. How about this? Yeah. Mariota was drafted five years ago. Yeah. And he isn't even that impressive. And when he was in the draft, we looked at each other and went, this may be the greatest (laughs) mobile quarterback of all time. Right. And now he's like the seventh best athlete at quarterback. I know. He's not as good as Mahomes. He's not as good as Watson in terms of like athlete and all that stuff. He's not as good as Josh Allen. Not 
I would say Carson Wentz athleticism is right up there, if I not better agree. than him. I, well, I think like movement, quickness in the pocket, dancing. You know, Mariota might be able to beat some of those guys we just talked about in a straight-ahead race, but it's the ability to bounce around and make people miss and, you know, throw a guy off them when they need, a t- when they need to, like Allen or Wentz does. I mean, yeah, it's, it is. They're different guys. I mean, some of these guys are quarterback now. All right, I got a comment here from our YouTube because we're trying to make sure that you guys are listened to. It is God Body. God Body. He better have a six-pack if he's got a name like that, okay? God Body. At the same point, every picture I see of yeah, God, right. he's not ripped. No, you're right. He is. He kind of needs to hit the weight room. You know, like every time I see a picture but, of God, you it's seen like a picture of God. Or are you talking about Jesus? I don't even know who you. T- no, I don't I mean, know like, what God when looks I, like. When I see the picture of like the wispy, white-haired God on a cloud, <laughs> it's always got a big belly. Like God has been eating well, <laughs> yes. and if you're God, you should be. I mean, he's Gandalf the Gray. I don't know. That's what I always picture God looking like. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that if I went up to heaven. <laughs> And I was meeting with a guy in a crew cut, and he was right like, off the rundown. Hello, Adam. I'd be like, "What did you just get a haircut?" What? Yeah, right. Like, what are if you God, getting trendy on us, God? If God, but why do we give wisdom to people with long hair? I don't know because most people I see walking around with long hair, I go, "Damn, you look like a sloppy mess." Yes. Or do you have a job? <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, right. But yeah, but but that's but maybe that's also the narrative. Is that God's changing? What the narrative. if God was one of us? So you must treat everybody. Yeah, right. I don't know. Oh, okay. I also wonder, like, how did they do haircuts back in, like, medieval times? Did they just take, like, a really sharp sword and just cut people's hair? I, that's a good question. You're right. They, so, somebody wasn't there like, Igor, sit down. I'll get your front and your back. Like, that wasn't a thing. No. No. You're right. Just, like, dull. Something, like, dull. They just, like, scraped yeah. it off your head. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. The God anyway, Body 4332. Somebody, somebody found limestone, and that's how they invented shampoo. I don't know how this works. Anyway, so the God Body 4332. Yes. Break down Wentz's denial about his leg and how it's affecting his accuracy. Now, Wentz commented about people saying, is his leg messed up and, and all that stuff. I heard about that. And I don't know where that came from, to be honest. I feel good. I analyzed my mechanics all the way throughout this injury. I never felt that as an issue as all, at all. I feel really good with where I'm at. You've been looking at him as a human for a long time. Is there anything up with his legs that's different than in years past? No, I think... Maybe at first he wasn't moving as smoothly or explosively, and I still don't know if he's quite as fast straight ahead like as he might have been last year. I mean, last year he used to keep the ball on read option sometimes, right? Yes. And they would have quarterback runs. They haven't done that with him this year. I hope they would break that out to a degree. Just do it in the first series. I mean, exactly. Let them think about if you it. do it once or twice, once it's or twice. all it needs to be done. But but in terms of he- he's throwing for seventy percent. I mean, his accuracy is, like, towards the top of the league. See, this is where... Oh, dude, I was getting so many texts about, man, Carson's off tonight. I, I just... I don't understand that. No, the Eagles' offense is off. Nothing is easy. And it's not schematically creative. It's, it's going to sound a little Aaron Rodgers here-ish. Ish. They repeat plays. There's nobody on the offense that the team that a defense has to go, oh, gosh, if we don't back up, we're screwed against yeah, this group. There's no Tory Smith, So if Mike you Wallace. can't run, right, and then don't have that guy like you're talking about, what scares a safety or corner in football? Matt Collins, yeah. They're right, they, you know, Yeah, they're all hurt. So the biggest thing between the explosive plays of your offense from last year to this year is last year you were the third best running team in all of football this year i don't know i think you're 25th that's 
That's how big re- plays get set up. You got really upset about the broadcast when they were saying that on Monday. Yes, because to me, it's just they. Well, what were they saying again? That, that oh, they, you know, Wentz isn't hitting the deep ball as much this year. I mean, I, you know, I don't think they're throwing the deep ball as much. Um, I haven't seen a and I don't bomb remember last... him like missing people where I go. Damn, how did he miss that bomb? I mean, are they talking about the bomb he put right on the money at the end of the Carolina Panther game when there was the pass interference that changed the field position? Are they talking about the bomb when you guys were getting your ass whooped by the Saints and he threw the ball deep down and got intercepted? I don't. I mean, are we picking one play to generalize the whole year? So. Hey, it's not as good this year for the Eagles and their offense, and it's not because of Carson Wentz. I'm not trying to be an apologist. I'm just telling you that there's issues within that offense right now. The guys they lost in free agency, the coaches they lost, everything has changed the dynamic of the team. You've had injuries on the offensive line, and offense hasn't been as easy. It's literally him, like we've said, standing there, we don't care who's around you, throw bullseyes all day long, and the, you know we're not going to give you a lot of room to hit the bullseye. One more credit before we move yeah. on. On to Rams Lions of your film. Yeah. That Jason Kelsey block was incredible. Oh. On the Darren Sproles touchdown. I, I was thinking of you. I know. Well, whenever we Even talk. my little boy commented. What, did he really? Yeah, he was just like, whoa, God, he's, he's pretty good. He runs, he's, he runs good for an offensive line. I mean, you run 15 yards with a dude one arm. Yeah. And then another guy's coming. You go, I'm going to take this guy. I'm going to blow that guy up. Yeah, too. right. And push him into him. And the wildest thing, too, is they're just contact, and then you see him get up and then look and see Darren Sproles got in the end zone, and it's like he didn't even know. He's like, I must destroy these two people at the same time. It's but we've amazing. always, you guys have heard us forever. Jason Kelsey's lateral ability is yeah, amazing. It is. Like, I bet you if him and Travis Kelsey were running routes, his brother, he would be just as quick. I, I agree. A quick. I bet you he could like hang with Travis on a ten yard sprint. I think if they went off on a ten, you'd go, "Damn, I think Jason might get him." Do you know how there has been some blocking schemes recently where the tight end has crashed and the tackles pulled out for yeah, reception? Sure, right. Can a center go out and catch a ball? Can the person that snaps catch the ball or no? Because I they have to be an eligible lineman. I, yeah, you have to be an eligible lineman. So the only way would they like they'd have to put like Wisniewski at center and move Kelsey to guard. You'd have to like. Put because I'd love Kelsey, to see Kelsey at the end of the line of scrimmage and put everybody to one side of him and say he's so our obvious. end of the end of the line guy here, right? Uh, yes, that's what you'd have to. Is do. there any way that like you know how a quarterback <laughs> lines up under center and then he like walks to the side and pretends they snap to the running back? Yeah. Is there any way before they all get center settled, right? right? Where like Jason Kelsey goes like he's gonna step up to the line, but then he goes out to talk to the wide receiver. <laughs> Could he do that? Could the center walk away? This is how we're going to know if anyone on the Eagles coaching staff listens to this podcast. If Jason Kelsey if they catches do, a pass. If they were listening, they've just turned it off right now. They're like, they've lost us on this you one. You like that one? No, I mean, it's funny for that, but I'm just talking about I mean, they listened to your people. advice about blitzing. For football people, I guess they did. I know. I might have got lucky, but yes. All right. Rams offense, Lions defense. Uh, I'm going to start off with a Nathan K comment on YouTube. Mm. It was awesome to see a team finally shut down the Rams offense right is that accurate because i will say having bet you know the rams by 10 right i was nervous for most of the game right uh yeah it was accurate i mean okay i'll say this much it was a great game plan that matt patricia had on the defensive side he was all over some of the staples and did some unique 
versions of their coverage. You see, that's like what what the New Englands and the Patricias do is, you know, they might play quarters coverage, but the rules of their quarters change every week according to the team they're playing. Where, you know, one week it might have been like, look for this, but this week they like to do that, so we're going to change the rules of our defense up a little bit. So that's where, yes, they were great in that aspect. Okay, they took away some of the deep crossers and play-action pass concepts that the Rams gash people with. The other thing that they had going for them more than anything, their two D tackles are game changers because they... Snacks and Aishon. And, and Aishon. When they are in and they started the game together and now you have Ezekiel Anza in who's starting to like show himself a little bit, they get to that ability like we talk about a lot, Lefko, where they can, they can say, you know, we can err on defending the pass and we can trust the big front four, you guys, to handle the run and we won't get gashed. And I think that was one of the big things that gave them the advantage for the game. And the Rams were a little off on offense. They were a little off. Coming off a bye. Coming off a bye. Goff missed a few throws. And I really think a few of the throws Goff missed, I don't know if he like missed them, missed them. I think he was being very safe. You know, sometimes you got to take into account he might be being told during the week, hey, you know, hey, we don't need to take any chances in this game. We're we think our defense, yeah, we're better than. We think our defense can really stop them. So there's no point in you trying to, you know, thread a ball into triple coverage and do things like that. And sometimes that can affect a game. I wrote down so many times in my notes, man, right. Jared Goff's having a bad game, and I check your notes, and you didn't agree. I thought the, the same f- thing on TV, Lefko. So don't because like I was looking, and it, yeah. it sometimes when Goff watches the rush, right, he he kind of gets limp, right, and like he doesn't throw the ball as hard. And sometimes it looks really dangerous. Yeah. He just takes sacks sometimes, yep. um, which I guess is a credit to Detroit. But I also found like sometimes he throws that twenty yard post corner with a zip, yeah. And sometimes he throws it and it's a little rainbow. Yeah, right. He does. But you watch the film and you even disproved yourself. Well, I did. I, I said the same thing, and I promise you, I said it to a bunch of people even before. I was just like, man, Goff looked like he was off. And when I watched the film, I said, you know what? He really wasn't as off. The throws I thought he was off on. He was really just being safe. It wasn't like he totally missed the target. The guy was in a pretty good spot, and he just said, I'm going to throw it high and outside. If he catches it, great. Same thing with your sack thing. I think there was a few times where, yeah, you'd like him to get at the ball out of his hand, but there was nobody short. He could just throw it to the ground, right. and he wasn't going to just try to force it downfield because, like I said, they had people around some of their intended receivers at times that you know messed up their mojo. Honestly, that's how Goff should run the offense. No doubt. There's if, no if reason. It's, to... If it's a little bit tight, don't worry about it because Sean McVay is going to call up another later. play. Exactly. You wrote down in your thing about yeah. Sean McVay, his ability to make things look the same yeah. and be different. Right. You said it all year, yeah. special. But you wrote down, I love when he does it back to back. Yeah, he does it like he'll do it like back to back and like maybe do the same concept twice or the same play. The same thing, but what he does off of it. You know, like we talk about sometimes. It's the fake the speed sweep and then give the zone, right? Or then it's the fake the speed sweep, fake the inside zone to Todd Gurley, drop back, play action pass. And, yeah, there was a few times in this game where he did do it, like, back-to-back and had plays dialed up that were just perfect that kind of gashed their defense. And it's just some more of the genius and what I enjoy about watching them on offense. Having worked with Matt Patricia... yeah. In this first year, yeah. we see some games where he comes out there and his game plan is fantastic. Right. And other times, like, is this a team that he's coaching really well? Is the talent just getting healthy now? Like, what is your honest read on the Lions? Yeah, my honest read is that he is coaching them well. They're in the midst of a huge culture change in general. And then some matchups, they just don't have the horses to keep up. Like, really, even in that game, 
when when the Rams finally just said like, oh, let's spread them out and stop doing the play action stuff and doing that, they were at a disadvantage because now it's like, oh shit, we're not really that great in the back seven, and now you've spread us out and we can't play you man to man across the board. We're not good enough right. to do that, and we're really not that fast and explosive in the back end to play some of these spread zones to where your quarterback's still going to be able to fit balls into windows and things like that. So. It, it, they're in they're in the midst of a transition on their football team, and I've really been impressed with what Matt Patricia has done. I really have been, and I I had doubts early on. Why? I wondered whether he had no. What has impressed you the most? I just think that their toughness, their detail on both sides of the ball, different really, than years past. It is. It definitely is. There's a there is a full purpose plan, like where we talk about offense marrying defense on a weekly basis. Their big issue is again players in certain cases. Matt Stafford has had the worst year of his career, and then also like in this game. Like their offense had no chance in this game. I mean, none. Ooh. Well, you wrote, you wrote like you can't pull a guard on Aaron Donald. No, like you have none. You know, they were Aaron Donald and Sue and Dante Fowler were on a mission to ruin the world. Okay, so they were just unbelievable in the game. He was under attack the whole game. The whole game, and then I mean, and you don't have Carry On Johnson. Right. No, no Marvin Jones. So, like, two of your best athletes are all... Exactly. So, I mean, there's... Now you got the Rams, the fastest team in the sport, and you think, like, Akeem Tlaib and Marcus Peters are like, oh, no, it's Kenny Galladay and Bruce Ellington. What are we going to do? Like, I know Kenny Galladay's a good player. I'm not yeah. trying to say that, but not, like, going to instill fear into you yet. So, uh, yeah, that would be my point there. How much of Akeem Tlaib did you see? Just, um... Snaps in the first half. and Because this is a huge recovery right now. Yes. If Aqib Tlaib is ready to go by the playoffs, yeah. Aqib Tlaib, Peters with that front four, and with like Johnson in the back end and yeah. Joyner, who are like very active, right. That's now we're getting to like the Texans realm, right. where the new way in the NFL, the Chiefs, if they can get Eric Berry back, yeah. a front four that can get after people, and a back four with some athletes. How did Tlaib look in he his looked, first game He back? looked pretty good. He definitely wasn't quite as explosive straight away fast. They didn't play a ton of man-to-man in this game. You know, and, and they typically do. Well, they do usually mix it in a little bit more. But I think what they did in this game is they basically said, they have nobody that we feel like can totally beat us. So why give them that man-to-man chance to throw a back shoulder or have Marcus Peters trip and fall as he's running a go route and it becomes a touchdown? So they kind of played it like safe coverage-wise in the back end. They never got up in their face and were just like, we're going to jam you and not let you do anything like that. Now, also to the same point, though, this is one thing that I think the Rams need to fix. I really do, to just go to the next level. Yeah. The Rams do too much on defense. And you know me, I usually like defenses that do too much. But they're good enough athletically, they don't have to. They don't need to reinvent the wheel. They go for the kill shot too much. What is a defensive coordinator doing when he's going for the kill like shot? Like he, let's just say, there was, a, for instance, I want to say it was second quarter, third quarter, where... I'm guessing they had a beat when they were in 21 personnel, some of the things they like to do. And they went out and doubled both outside receivers at the snap. And, okay, great, that's really cool. And I'm sure that's where Stafford wanted to go. But it left them in a total compromise situation off the play action for the tight end down the middle. So now there's the linebacker going, wait, Garrett Blunt's running at me. i got to take a step up here or I'm going to get run over. Oh, crap, the quarterback kept it. Now i got to run down the field with Toya Lolo. And that's why he had a big day. I just think they take too many chances. They could be bland and simple. 
And still kick people's it, ass. They do themselves a disservice. Just play zones, make yeah. a quarterback pat the ball once or twice, and Aaron Donald and Sue or somebody's going to hit them and they're going to fumble. And they leave themselves open to big plays is all I'm this saying. This is a rare occasion when you ask for simplicity. Very rare. Very rare. They do not need to reinvent the wheel. You know, it goes back to like almost him with uh, Wade Phillips back in Denver. Yep. Like, okay, we don't need to do a lot here. You're really awesome. You got an awesome front four. You got some good cover guys. Mixed in a sprinkle of creativity here and there in a situation, but don't overdo it. I feel like they overdo it a little right now. The argument that Aaron Donald should be in the MVP race. Yeah, he should be. 16 and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. If he breaks Strahan, he's definitely winning Defensive Player of the Year. Yes. That's not even a chance. But I could argue that he may have been the most important player in the Rams-Chiefs game. Yeah. I I, I think there's a number of games you could argue that. In. I mean, he's made a number of big – I mean – Seattle game, he ended. Green Bay. Green Bay. There was people open a number of times where I go, "Uh uh-oh, Rodgers, and then Rodgers had a move, or he got hit as he was throwing it and couldn't do it. He makes so many game-changing plays just along that aspect that don't go in the stat sheet, like you're saying, where he goes back and he makes a Mahomes move, and Mahomes might have had somebody wide open, but now he can't throw it. Or you you get hit as you're throwing, or you change your motion because you're like, oh, he's coming from behind me. I don't want to extend my arm. Let me throw it a little different. He's amazing, man. This guy has six games this year where he's had more than two sacks in a game. Right. That's a career day for people. And he has six games this year. Like, I I bet you there's a statistic where if if a a team – like, I bet you there's most teams don't even get two sacks in the game as a team. Right. Two sacks by one player in a game. Think about that's two drives that are ending. That it's, It's huge. Yes, I know. It's uh, he is by far the biggest mismatch in football right now on the defensive side of the ball. Khalil Mack's close; he really is. He's up there. Like I forgot, he had two sacks in that game against Minnesota. That was thirty-eight, thirty-one. Exactly right. All right. Well, if he keeps going, it'll be an interesting conversation. It will be. Vikings, Patriots. Yeah. What was one thing that you went into the film expecting that you were actually wrong about? Oh, one thing that I was expecting. Or did it go exactly according to plan? Mm, I don't know if it went exactly according to plan. Let me just think about. How did Kirk look in the sunlight? Well, <laughs> not the prime time. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was kind of. You know, it was a oh, fourth dark. It was a little so dark up there. Down, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why he didn't play. He thought he got confused. He was like, "Damn, this is my is it night. What? Is it day? Is this prime time? You know what? Where am I? Right. They were tied at halftime. Yeah, and then they lost. And then the sun went down. As soon as the sun went down, unbelievable. Kirk Cousins couldn't handle the prime. Yeah, they were tied lights. late in the third quarter. Yeah, and then as soon as it started getting a little dusky. Um. Mm. I guess the, my biggest thing I would say, the Patriots played more zone in the game. And I think it's the same reason I just told you about the Rams playing zone. Okay. I just think they said this team thrives on what, the 8-14 to, to 14 or 8-19 to 19 connection deep down the field. We don't really have any faith that they can move the ball other ways on us consistently. So why take those chances to have, you know a one-shot ball changed the whole dynamic of the football game. So I guess if that was one thing I didn't think of, that would be the one thing I was surprised by, especially at the start of the game. I saw a few times in your notes uh, about Dalvin Cook impressing you. I mean, he's insane. I don't know... 
first of all, he was the most explosive offensive player on the field for both teams in the first half. And, you know, John Filippo, and we've heard a little bit over the last few weeks, like, they got to run the ball more. Forget it, just, I don't even care about success. It's for the attempts, and it's about getting your best or most explosive playmaker with the ball in his hands is Dalvin Cook. And they need to do that with him more. You know, they just go too many long periods of time where they kind of abandon the run game. And, you know, he had a few runs that you just go, wow, like, okay, let's get him the ball again. And then it just he goes through a dry spell. Um, I'm seeing here you wrote down that the Vikes never really made any plays. And Tom Brady, they never really got close to him. No. Uh, where is the level of this offensive line for the Patriots? Man, where are they compared to years past? Because if you think about it, they make the trade for Trent Brown. Right. They lose Solder for the first time. Right. Um, it's it's a little bit of a newer regime. It is. Yeah. It's so funny when I see David Andrews on camera because he's like every frat guy that I lived with. Right. Like a hoodie with like hair curling out the bottom. He's like, hey, what's up, man? I'm just like the center. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. but the but the offensive line seems to be coming together. It's yeah. just another beautiful performance by Skarnecki. Yeah. yeah. It's a there. It's a it's a really good offensive line. I'm not gonna say it's top five. Okay. I think it's top five run offensive line. Okay, I don't think it's as good a pass protecting offensive line. Maybe who's, some ma- of the years who's taking it over the top on the running game? Like, Shaq, the- Shaq Mason's the man at guard. All you need to know is they gave him a big contract last year. And when do the Patriots ever do that? That's right. Shaq Mason's one of the best run blocking guards in the sport. David Andrews, of course, is very good in the run game. So is Thune as well. And then you got two tackles on the outside. I mean, Marcus Cannon has played a lot of guard in his life. He's a big man who can move you in the run game. Trent Brown, I mean, he looks like he ate two of you. And then he plays left tackle. So, yeah, they're more of a big mauling group where in years past they were more long and athletic and we're going to mirror everybody so Brady can sit back here and pat the ball and find people down the field or do whatever he has. You know, this year they're not quite as good with pass pro, but damn, if you get in certain defenses, they will steamroll you in a second. Josh, I got a line here that I really like. Hit me. It's when Sims writes things that make me laugh. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I just got to find it. Okay, here it is. Perfect example. Pat's first third down. I don't know what fucking defense they're playing. And no way Cousins does. Or Filippo. Or Filippo. Why is he calling a third and eight wide meant, receiver screen? Right. That's why I meant to say that's why he's calling a third and eight wide receiver. Because he's going, I don't know what the fuck they're going to do on this first third down. Who knows? I don't know. Your guess is good. And I don't want to confuse my quarterback and him make some stupid read. So it's third and eight. Let's maybe catch them in something. We get a screen and get a first down. But I don't want them to drop back and go, whoa, what the hell is this? They doubled this guy. So you're not zone. saying you turned on the film and said, I've never seen this before. You're going, if I was a quarterback, yeah. the first third down in the game, you have no idea what Belichick's going to throw at you. No. And that's something you've seen in all the games. I, any game where I feel like Mahomes, it's a dangerous quarterback or Rodgers. I felt like Mahomes, nice. they dropped everybody out right, and it was did. like, what is this? Exactly right. So you're saying that when I watch the Patriots yeah. this weekend, yeah. that first third down on defense, if I'm able to bet live action that maybe there's an interception, that's the play to bet on. You better be careful. Wow. If you're, if you're, because yes, it's you don't know what their game plan is yet to stop you. You don't know. And this is Bill Belichick in New England and Brian Flores, and they're going to bring something out that, like we always say, that stops the one thing you like to do. Or so make- you're saying if I watch the defense on the first third down, yeah. it's going to give me the insight to the rest of the half what they're going to be trying to defend you with. I, I think so. But they're wow. also going to have one little thing off of that to keep you honest. 
right? Where you were just talking about Mahomes game, they all dropped out. Yeah, but Dante then after Howard they did came, that two or three times, they, they all came him. or they yeah. all blitz, right? And then you go, oh gosh, well, you know, so that's where I'm excited to watch the Patriots first. They're, they're great. That's all I care about. And them. the Vikings D is the opposite of that. They're just not multiple enough for good offenses. It's just too comfortable for an experienced quarterback at times. I am reading that uh, John DeFilippo's offense is just not creative enough. So no. this confirmed that maybe he's not ready to be the head coach that everyone thinks he can. No, I, and, and like I've told you off air, I totally think he is head coach material. Yeah. I just don't think his offense is developed enough or he's got enough, you know, pelts on his horse to pelts on his horse i think that's the proper phrase it. yeah you, 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 you skin something skin and then as you ride horse, away right didn't my dad tell us this this isn't what he went on, went over with us yeah, one time right um but yeah i think that's that's the thing with them their defense is not their defense is very good and can match up with people and they do have a little bit more d-line depth than years past but it's still a little too predictable, I think, for the really good offenses in football. And that's why you've seen the Saints have success and you saw the Rams tear them apart. And not that the Patriots tore them apart, but every time the Patriots wanted to step on the gas pedal the other night, they did, and they went down the field and scored. We're going to end Patriots-Vikings uh, with this. Yep. You spotlighted two young players in the Patriots secondary that you think could be blossoming. Yeah, right. Number one, yep. a favorite of the pod. Obi Melon Fodwu. Yeah. Are we calling him a tight end stopper? Now? I, I'm wondering if that's what he's there for. You know, I'm always thinking about. Hey, Kyle Rudolph, we'd like to introduce you to Obi Melon right. Fodwu. Hey. He can jump higher. He right. can run faster. He's just like that Travis Kelsey will have to play in the playoffs. So get ready to guard him. Mm. Or Vance McDonald on the Steelers. Or And you think that fits his skill set? I definitely do. He's a giant for a secondary guy. Like when I see him out there and I don't see his number, I'm like, who is this person? And then I get to the end zone shot, and I'm like, oh, it's 22. It's Melon And he's Pava. still doing well? He's doing okay. They're just giving him a few snaps. They're getting letting him get his beak wet a little bit, okay? He's getting his beak wet. They're that far into the future that they would sign a player just to stop a potential playoff opponent? Yeah, yeah, they would. Or just think about certain areas where they feel like they're weak at defending a team that might be good at doing something. They go, we don't really – we need that other piece there to stop that. Is it that impressive? No. I mean, I just picked up the Cowboys defense in oh, fantasy yeah. in case I make it to Wick six. 16 of my fantasy. League. Young Belichick right. right there. It's just it's looking a few weeks ahead. Josh will get there. Yeah. Um, let's see. What was the other thing I found? I found it fascinating. Every big third down or pass just to end it all. Well, no, I had one more guy. Oh, okay, go. Jackson. Sorry. Jackson, man. What's his first name? JC. So JC Jackson, is he a rookie this year? He's a rookie this year, undrafted from Maryland. We talked about him a few weeks yes. ago. Terrorist game. Right. And he he I can't. Where was he at? Miami before that? It was Florida. It was a Florida. He got kicked out. He got kicked out. So he's had some off the field issues, but his combine numbers and his size and measurables are they're phenomenal. I mean, he ran like a low four four. And you're writing in your notes might be time to put this guy on an island. Yeah, I mean, he has the potential to be something special. He really does. They found something here. And. What about the, your Duke Dawson kid? Well, he hasn't really got out there yet. Okay. He hasn't. He's number 29. I keep looking for him, just going, where the hell is this where guy? Where are you, yeah, 29. Where are you? Um, because you know I liked him coming out in the draft. But there, I know that they are trusting him, Lefko, because they're putting him in some very big situations and big moments and trusting him to go, oh, you know, it's third and nine. You go take Stefan Diggs or you go get Thielen mm. on the outside. But for the most part, what I thought was cool, on third downs for the most part of the game, Especially if Thielen was in the slot, he was doubled every time. They doubled him and then let Gilmore take digs, right? So if Thielen got in the slot, it was thirty. the McCourty twins covering Thielen. 
Hold on. Which is hilarious, right? Hold We're going to double team you. So double you're, so you're double telling team me, spear. Uh, what is that? Double mid gum. You're telling me <laughs> that Adam Thielen's in the slot. Right. And he looks up and he sees a McCourty twin looking at him. Right. And then he looks a little bit further and he sees the other McCourty twin right. looking at him. Right. I don't even care if these guys aren't good. I'm sitting there going, what is this? The, the Patriots are cloning defenders? <laughs> they, they are clones, those two. I have a hard time, and I see them. I've known so them for a long time. So they double team with both McCourty twins. Double team. If there the was a synergy slot. behind those players, right, right. like they they can communicate yeah. without doing anything. Right. You think the Patriots? Uh, wow. Do you think the genius. offensive players look at that and get a little messed up by it, just That's looking at saying. twins? Covering I bet you them? they look through their face masks and go, "Damn, you two look exactly the same." <laughs> like, I mean, I've been with those two before, and I'm telling you, I've been with those two. Walked out of the room, came back in, and gone. Shit, I'm not sure which one's which again. I can't remember. I mean, I've had to go off of like their foreheads and their well, necks because they well, went to Jersey High School. Yeah, my brother went, played against them in high school. I went and I checked the uh, the way that twins can communicate non-verbally, <laughs> and I just decided that the safety cornerback combination it's more impressive when they can communicate without talking. <laughs> like, like I'm telling you, that's incredible. Like yeah. that's such a Belichick thing to do. It really is. Can you believe my brother? And I mean, his high school year. St. Joe's in Jersey. The two starting quarters were the McCourty twins, and then they had Junior Galette at D end. Can you imagine that? That's just hilarious. Yeah, I don't know how you're completing a pass. I know, because my in brother had like football. six NFL players on his team, too. That's what's unbelievable. Mm. It's that stupid Catholic school in New Jersey crap. Speaking they... of your brother, let's call your brother's father, Big Phil. Let's get him on the phone. What's he been up to? Oh, I don't know. You ask him. Man, another cool... I mean, this is where BB's on next level. Like, Belichick. The, end of fourth, the fourth and 11 at the end of the game. It's like he realized, if I blitz, I know what they do now. I figured it out. It's the fourth quarter, and if I blitz in this formation, here's their adjustment. And it became the fourth and 11 at the end of the game. And he just said, all right, I'm going to blitz. And I look over to the one side. I go, okay, what the hell is Minnesota going to do here? Because they're not protecting everybody up to block anybody. And Gilmore's stepping inside the X receiver. And it's like he said, we're going to blitz, and they're going to throw the slant route, sight adjust. And they just knew. And he was there. And they was like he threw it to Gilmore, and it was incomplete and game over. Yeah. Well, that was a very good explanation. Thank you. Yes. Talk about New England, you know, just how they're always next-level stuff and the things they do. Yep, they are. They are. And yeah. it's, it's you know, it gets tiring to talk about it, and people get tired of hearing it. But, you know, tough. What yeah. do you want to say? Right. You know, it's my favorite film to watch every week a lot of the times because I'm just like, what do they do this week? Yeah, yeah. Well, they got they got it down on how to play. Uh, here they are reverting back to the way they won their first Super Bowl. Let's right. get in the eye formation. Nobody's seen it and knows how to defend it, so let's do this. I mean, it's really kind of hilarious, I it think. Is. One of their leading snap guys on offense the last couple of weeks has been Mike Devlin. Right. And I think I've always told you this, who the three James, most important yes. people on the team, right? Yes, you have. You've told us that story about Matt Adam Slater. Adam yeah, Adam Matt, answer that. Matt Slater and James Devlin. Well, who's that? Matt Slater and James Devlin, the special teams guy and the fullback. And who's the third? Um, wait, what? Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, no, no, okay, no. Yes, okay. no was, was it Devin McCourty? Yeah, it was. This is McCourty. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm realizing right now? But that's pretty good, though. I'm glad, you know, I'm really impressed you remember that, Adam. Well, I you am. told you told me on the flight to Minnesota, too. Oh, I did? 
Yeah, of course. Well, I have a t- I have a way. You know, when you talk about football all your life, you are going to repeat yourself a few times. Listen, man, so I, I talk about the same apologize. stuff. Tough. I talk about I the same stuff guys over like over. you can't remember anything, so I have to keep reaffirming to you the facts. A lot, right, of, lot of daddy cigars. I'm just looking right now, and <laughs> teams tend to lose a lot after they play the Patriots. I wonder if the Patriots show the blueprint of the weakness of everybody's offense. Because, you know, the Jets, they lost the next week. They yeah. played the Titans, and the Titans go on like lose. They, they came back and beat the Jets, right. but they weren't good. They beat the they beat the Packers. The Packers have been rough ever right. since. I don't know if they kind of show the blueprint for everybody else. Or they they exhaust you would be one other thing I would think. You get yourself so up to like what dad you've talked about a few weeks. Teams get themselves up for that. Yeah. Oh, we got to go crazy. This is a big game. This is the Patriots. So And then you lose. It's such an emotional letdown and everything that goes with it. Well, it's a letdown, emotional letdown, no matter what, win or lose. But right. if you win, you know, that momentum sometimes, excuse me, can carry you through. But that is definitely a case that when you play them, yeah, it's a, it's a special week because most of the time it is, you know, the 425 or a night game, whatever. Yeah. And uh, especially when you go up to New England, to beat them there, you know, I mean, it, it's you prepare and do everything and you're so tuned in. Because of why? Because you're scared. Right. Because you know if you're not tuned in, you will lose, get embarrassed, and all the other things that go with it. So, uh, it, But overall, that Minnesota game, what a disappointment. I know it was 10-10 to in the second half, but still disappointing. Yeah. Their defensive front for the Minnesota Vikings, to it just seemed like the – I know the stats, I don't even care what they say, but just watching the game and watching the flow, that they just got physically dominated their defensive front, which was the most shocking thing of all in the game to me. I I hear you. I mean, never even got close to Brady in pass protection. And, yeah, it might have not just been great smash-mouth running, but they did, you know, what did they do? They ran for 160 yards nonetheless. Well, you know, if you do that every week in the NFL, your record's going to be, you're going to win well over 10 games. I know that. Yeah, right. I mean, one of my complaints about the Vikings' dad at times is just that they're not multiple enough with their defense. especially. No okay, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Not enough. Listen, I'm sitting here trying to figure out how can the Baltimore Ravens beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Ooh. And, yeah. And it's, it's like I'm trying, you know, I want to try to find ways. And, right. And, and, and Let's talk about it because I can give you a few right now. You can. Yeah. Well, tell me there, old oh, wise one. You All right. First thing they're going to do. Ahead. So I don't know if you happen to watch that Baltimore Ravens Atlanta Falcons film, but <laughs> yeah, I was I did. all no, over. I didn't watch that. I have not watched the film, but I will hear later You'll today. You'll get to it. Your son will tell you that the drives themselves were what were so impressive. Eight for 75. Ten. Nine for, for right. 60. Ten for whatever. If they're able to keep that defense on the field and have right. those great pass rushers of D. Ford and Justin Houston, even Chris Jones, constantly going, damn it, Gus Edwards up the middle, Lamar Jackson to the outside, and we get six-minute drive, seven-minute drive. I'm a firm believer that if they go to halftime and it's Chiefs 14, Ravens 13, it's a bad spot for the Chiefs. Because then every possession, we can't afford the overthrow to Tyreek Hill. We can't afford that one Travis Kelsey drop across the middle. The Ravens, to me, are becoming the Cowboys where it's welcome to the Thunderdome. We're going to pound you. And every time you touch the ball, there's more pressure on you because you might not get it back for eight minutes. Very good point. Great point. And, and, and I agree. 
Uh, you know, but I'm looking more on the other side is right. my first thought. I'm yeah. trying Would to you figure like me out to tackle that too? How <laughs> can you stop this Kansas City offense? Right. Because it is the only one in the NFL, the only one. Don't tell me about the Rams. I don't want to hear about the Chargers. And I don't want to hear about anybody else because nobody can do what Kansas City does on offense. They can, as you guys know, it's down the field. It's to the sidelines. That, and you've got a mobile quarterback who is a tremendous thrower on the run. So that's how do you defend? I'm watching them now. Yeah. They're great at disguise. They do a lot of stuff. They do. I think that helps. And look, to number one key, make Mahomes, in my opinion, yep. make him stand in the pocket mm-hmm. and beat you from there. Right. Because here's what I notice. Go and look, and I – it hit me today. He throws when you make him stand there. He'll kind of like, oh, it's not that old. Oh, I got it, and he throws it, and it's trouble. Right. And he got away with a few against the Oakland Raiders. He, he threw did. a couple that were completed. I go, man, that that could have been intercepted. That had yep. so many things. And but if you let him throw in rhythm and hit the ones that are open, and then when they're not, if you let him get outside the pocket, then you're going to lose. And that's the way I look at the uh, uh, the Ravens. Can they disguise enough? Can they confuse him enough? Can they keep him in the pocket if they do that? I think he will throw the ball to the defense and they will make plays. Right. Mm. So I'm, that's, I'm, yeah, that's only look, part one. I'm you, leaning the other part, which is yeah. this is difficult too. But I, to I keep think the ball away from him. In a weird way, I don't think the Ravens have that many great pass rushers, and because of that, the muddled rush actually accomplishes what Phil wants them to do Ooh, you by are accident. So smart, a wise one, because you're exactly right. They're not going to go flying at him because why? They don't have they those guys. No yeah. yeah. So no, in a weird way, yeah, in a weird way, their weakness becomes their strength in this matchup. I, you know, I, I really do believe that, and I do believe that you know what they do down in Baltimore. There's just enough stuff moving on, you know, Eric Weddle, he's trying to be Troy Polamalu back in his day, and he's he gets close to it sometimes, so yeah. it's pretty cool there. And it, the other thing about the Baltimore Ravens, uh, the numbers are just astounding. Right. The de- the team is kind of, uh, Did you have you listened to John Harbaugh's speeches after the game? No, why? Oh my gosh. I mean, when he, you know, we, we do that on Sunday. We, after they beat the Falcons, he's in the locker room, and I, it is, he is ready to explode. I can't even give you, I can't even say it in words. We ran the ball 50 times. We did this. And, you know, and he's not just talking to his team. He's talking to the critics, right. to the oh, the Ravens and their people and all that. And you right. want to fire me? Well, and, you know, I'm going to tell you, and the team, when you can tell when they're listening to him, they're on fire. Right. That's and actually... So that's pretty exciting. And it, it, it's, it's, I... I forgot where I was going to go with that, but just the fact. Oh, I know what it was. That this all. What's the best part of the? We look at the Baltimore Ravens. What do we think of? Their defense. size, size. Okay, yeah, physicality. Well, we right. Defense. Yeah, sure. So what right. do you do when your defense is the strength of your team? Well, let's play to our defense. Right. And that's what they're doing now more than anybody could ever do by having Lamar Jackson in there running the football and just keeping their defense rested, oh. ready to go, and their time of possession and number of plays and all that other stuff. It is reversed big time in the last three weeks. Now, I know the competition wasn't great. This will be different. Right. And um, so it's, it's – 
you're, I mean, you're gonna, I'm excited to watch this game Sunday. You're going to enjoy watching Baltimore just steamroll Atlanta. I mean, it, it's it's actually fun to watch. Yeah, Phil, it's, it's Phil, a steamroll your session. son came in and he goes, he looks at me and he goes, Baltimore, Atlanta, Lefko, bludgeoning. And he just kept saying the word bludgeoning well, you know, over listen, and over. I, I'm coming up with things. I said something Sunday. Uh, as we were talking about next week's game, we were watching the end of the 4 o'clock games, and we weren't going to come back on the air probably, so we all stand in front of the monitors, and we just, you know, and they, all of a sudden somebody's, Kansas City, Baltimore, Kansas City next week, and I go, yeah, one team wants a pillow fight, and the other one, I forgot I forgot what the other word I said, and they all started laughing. I said, yeah, i got to remember that. That was a good one. But I can't remember the other part to it. Street fight. Knife fight. No. Gunfight. One wants to fight you with a pillow. The other wants to smash in the head with a sledgehammer. Yeah, right. that works. It, it was better than that. But it's Beauty and the Beast. It is. So I mean, there's lots of, lots of words to say about this game. And I think that's what makes it so intriguing. And it, you tell me. You give me an answer to this. Okay. What will you think if the Ravens go in there and win this game and win it the style that they've been winning games. What would be your impression when it's my, over if they do that? Your first thought, Chris, what's your first thought? And then I want to give my first thought. Would be watch out for watch out AFC. The Ravens are for real. And my first thought would be, holy crap, John Harbaugh is going to be an amazing coach for the Packers next year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's uh, really if, my question: is if they go three and one down the stretch and they end this year at ten and six and go to the playoffs and push someone around. I know that like the Ravens have been planning all year to kind of end this, but uh, hey, you got a rookie quarterback yeah. and you got this guy, and it's kind of clicking now. Like, right. do we figure it out? Wait, wait. First, I want to hear what his answer was going to be. What he thought oh, yeah, at yeah. the Baltimore wins. I just want to hear that part. What oh, did... I just think it's going to be the most exciting thing for football. I yeah. think it will be right. great. I mean, right. here we go. We got this new way, and it just kind of brings it to the you know play again. There's so many ways to get this thing done. You know, right. so many ways to skin a cat. You know that old phrase. Yeah. yeah. And how about that really running the football is taking over the league again, which I know. is really that's I love you it. Know, it's 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 pretty amazing there. And so so it, Phil, I need to go into history books with you really quick. Okay. So we had Josh Adams on the show this Jamal. week. Jamal excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Wrong uh, Adams. So Jamal Adams is gonna be on the show this week and we took him and we smashed stuff because since you're not allowed to hit in the NFL anymore, we wanted to release his aggression by smashing things. Really? Uh, yes, because you know, we're we're here for the players. Yeah, I hear you, babe. And when Chris was talking to him, he goes, Look, it was my dad, it was Mark Ingram's dad, and it was your dad, Jamal Adams, it your dad, going out there and kicking butt. And I'm curious what you're what you really remember about him because the stories always seem to be, man, if if George Adams was healthy, he would have been an all timer. Yes. He would have been let me think who would have been. He would have been David Johnson of the Cardinals, but I you know, I don't know, maybe faster and shiftier. I don't know. He was he had incredible hands and I've told you this story. And, and that would have been in 86, we were building our offense around George Adams. Right. We were going to use him in all kinds of passing formations. And just think, we had Mark Bavall, Zeke Mowat, two terrific tight ends. Then we were going to have him as an inside, you know, flex slot receiver, power running back, all the throw screens. And it was, I was like, man, I remember in training camp going, man, I'm going to have a good year. This is going to be great. And, of course, he gets hurt. And that was basically the end. So, 
And I can remember the play like it's yesterday, that, that awful field that we practiced on. Yeah. Christopher, you remember. Right. It was in practice Adam. he got hurt? What's that? It was in practice he got in hurt? In practice. He's Damn. running down the right side. He goes to jump over the defender. And I'm not going to say the guy's name. And the guy raises his foot up off the ground and trips him. Oh. And he lands off balance. And that was it. You know, and, you know, he limped off the field. Well, he'll be okay. He'll be okay. I saw it as plain as day. And he, he wasn't okay. Yeah. But, you know, let me go back to this real quick, though. Yeah. With you about John, uh, the, the Baltimore Ravens. Right. This is John Harbaugh's team. Right. This fits who he is. Yeah. He's a knucklehead. Right. He loves this, this what's going you on. You mean a knucklehead in the good way, just to clarify yeah, that. I mean. Like he a tough it. knucklehead he, fight, like this is yeah. what we do. Right. Yeah, he's got, I mean, he wants to just, he's, if he could, he'd punch the other coach. I mean, right. that's who he, <laughs> he is. He was. He's a Harbaugh. But now he's got the team that really, truly fits his mold. And, you know, they got, you know, Marty Morningwig as a coordinator, but, you know, they got Greg Roman. Yeah. They're drawing up all these plays, and they're not going to run out of running plays. No. They, you and, know, then, and then when you stop them at the 35, Justin Tucker's guaranteed. Like, watching Ravens-Falcons, I look up and I go, damn, the Ravens kick three field goals and they're up two possessions because right. they're up nine because every time they go over the 50, Tucker's knocking in He's three automatic. in case they flame. Yeah. Well, it, it's the same thing again. You know, the hidden part, you know, John Harbaugh is, you know, him and Bill Belichick and, of course, now um, – uh, out in L.A., they're, the Rams, their special teams are so great with yeah, uh, Fossil. John Fossil. Right. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they're all fighting for it. And, and I've told you this once, that Belichick was moaning to me, oh, we finished number two, these stupid stats and special teams. I'm like going, all right, you finished two builds instead of one. What's the big deal? But he was all... <laughs> He was all burnt up over it. You know, awesome. they did this wrong, and I don't know how they calculated that we finished second to the Ravens. And it was so, it was so funny. You know, they take it. They take their. If you watch Bill Belichick before the game, I've said this. I've noticed it in their game against Minnesota. Who was he talking to before the game? Almost the whole time again. Special teams got Joe Judge. It was Joe Judge, and then right. he went to the defensive coordinator a little bit after that. But it's always special teams. Yeah. The same with Harbaugh. I can remember standing in the hallway in Baltimore, and they were working on kicking, and they had their kicking coach in there, and so. The fact that they don't miss many field goals, not a surprise, because you're talking about an ex-special teams coach who's involved there. He's involved in everything. He's an old-school coach. What a shock. A hardball that's going to go out there and probably coach everybody on the field. So, Phil, there's a chance that coming up in the next few weeks, me, your son, and Josh might actually watch a game together, maybe one of these Saturdays or something. You uh, you interested in joining us, or do you got to work? Yeah, I would do that. You would do that? I would do that. That'll be a lot of fun. Yes, I, that's right. We got those Saturday games coming in a few weeks. Any good ones? I don't even know. Uh, I feel like there's a few that are kind kind of good. Yeah. If not, we can always do like a wild card Saturday Ooh. or something like that too. Oh, if we're not, yeah. I, th- I don't think I, I don't I haven't looked at the schedule, but I think well, no, wild card Saturday. There, there's a chance we won't even have a game that one of those. Yeah, days. I think you're right. I think one of them because NBC will have one, and then whoever will have the ESPN, other one. ESPN. I, I don't right. know if we get if we, we get that Sounds weekend. Awesome. We have two games or not. I, I don't know how it works. Haven't looked ahead. It's a because date, you Phil. Know what? I'm focused on this week's game. Don't worry about next week. Just win this week. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to win the week. You're winning, man. All right, bro.
All right, we'll Is see you. You done with me? That's yeah, it. We're done. done. Unless there's anything you know, else. I get paid twice. I'd ask you guys the questions. I mean, what the hell? Yeah, sorry. Are y'all supposed to be the guys that ask the questions? Well, no. I mean, I think we're. I think you should pay us. This sounds like it's therapy for you. I mean, you just get to come on here and open your mouth and just fucking <laughs> unleash the kraken. <laughs> well, you know, I listen to you. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's because I watch you every morning or three days a week. Thank right. God you're not on five. Holy Christ, <laughs> I couldn't take it. But Thanks, you know, man. you guys are a little funny. Right. And which is what's funny is because you're both so odd in your own ways. I mean, boy, you talk about hey, Adam, how about the the, the two of them? I mean, man, he, you know my son's odd. All his creature habits, and you know, oh my God, I got to have this exactly right here and this and this. <laughs> and of course, well, whatever, Adam, you're not like that, are you? No, I'm the opposite. The opposite. I just leave things everywhere. <laughs> oh, you, you you can just you can roll with whatever's going on. Oh yeah. All right, yeah. you're the man. That's what it be. Appreciate you, pal. All right, see you guys. All right, Dad. We will, hey, we will do a wild card. That would be great because yep. I will be done working by then. One game a week. My God, I'm going to know the sisters of all the players and everything. <laughs> <laughs> if that's all I do, but uh, that'll be fun if we get to do it. All right, Dad. All right, have a good day. See, see you, buddy. You um, <clears throat> I'm realizing as I'm saying this, it's so funny. your dad's been cracking me up these last <laughs> yeah. two weeks. He's just going right. We don't even we don't even get a chance to ask him a question. That's I what feel I like say. I feel like the strategy next week right. should be right away go. All right, Phil, we're wrapping up because then it's when we say that he's like, oh, well, what about this and uh, what about that? I don't think it'll stop him. No, that's what I'm saying. We just it's do it in the us beginning, and he knows us, so he'll yeah. just power right over us. I'm realizing that I my Mahomes MVP rant yeah. that's now on Bleach Report's Instagram right. could not have come on a better in a worse week. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough week. Like or it the could be Saints, a great are, week. hold on. Drew Brees is facing the Buccaneers defense, and Pat Mahomes is facing the Baltimore Ravens defense. Right. I am going to get destroyed this week. It's well, all right. but if it goes the other way, and Mahomes puts up thirty-five on the Ravens against. Tampa, not gonna happen. You win. You're gonna no, win. No, this win. is this You're is what, this is what we call poorly timed takes. Yeah, I am gonna be destroyed. Right. So much so that I want to clip this out as evidence that I'm aware of the fact that I'm going to get. Destroyed. First of all, it's a season long discussion you're talking about, of course. and we're all such prisoners of the moment. And it's always about oh this week, oh he sucks this week. He was the best quarterback in football. For How could he be the weeks MVP? In a row? Yeah. But this one week he sucks, so no longer can he be the MVP. I, I am. I mean, I'm actually. I got juiced up talking about Ravens Chiefs. I don't even want That's to go That's going to be really good. It is. All right. Well, let's go to Raiders offense versus the Chiefs defense. Yeah. Had some people on YouTube reach out and say, "What's up with the Chiefs defense?" I even had some people reaching out in the DMs, going, "Look, Derek Carr outperformed Patrick Mahomes." That's what I was getting in my DMs. By what? who? Who are you friends with? Anyone can DM you. I don't yeah. know, but some of your friends, they're Carson Wentz takes and these things. I mean, it's my role to listen to the people as a man of the people. You are a little bit elitist. I am someone that hobnobs with the locals. Yes. And they tell me their opinions and unbiased. I give them to you. Right. Yeah. I don't know uh, <laughs> about that take there. I mean, Mahomes was. Gosh, just the amount of special throws he makes in every game, it's just it's it's off the charts. I mean and he I, even missed a few that would have been missed a few had two dropped. I mean a wide open Yeah, drops. I mean so uh yeah, and I'm not gonna say that that Derek Carr outperformed him. First line of Sims's notes, Fedrick. Yeah. Hit me. Raiders offense always finds a way to F it up. Right. Always. I mean 
This week, it was the three running back fumbles, right? I mean, they they moved the ball the whole game on the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, that, they're never going to be stopped. They're going to go down and get a field goal at least on every drive. And, and is that the Raiders' offense or the Chiefs' defense? This is the Chiefs', Chiefs no, no, defense. No, 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 I'm saying, oh. I'm saying them, oh. them never being stopped. Is that more Chiefs' defense not able to stop? Yes. Or the Raiders' offense somewhat clicking? No, I mean, the Raiders' offense... Ran, at least ran the ball well, showed some, like, we're going to do this and beat you up front, and they're somewhat healthy up front as far as, you know, some of their guys there. Um, so they did some good things. But, you know, the Chiefs are just all over the place on defense. I don't know what I, what I, what I want to, like, say. I guess if I just had to sum it up in, a like, a, a, a one-phrase thing, I would just go, I don't really know what the Chiefs are trying to accomplish on a weekly basis on defense. I don't know what the game plan is. You it's, have the word why written here like five I'm times. I'm sure. Because You're like, I, they're doing this. Why? Why? I just, there's no ever, I can never come up with a logical reason to go, wait, why are they doing this? I don't, I don't understand it. Why is there five guys on this side of the field guarding two people, and then the other side of the field is two on two? I don't, you know, that's what I want to go like. It's five on two over here. We got all these guys pushed over here, and then the whole field is one on one with two other guys. Like just little things like that that constantly frustrate me about. You them. got a you got a WTF Hitchens in here on the touchdown. Oh, to I mean, okay, that's Tampa two. I mean, you you know my Hitchens, mama knows Hitchens' the, role in the Tampa two is get back as fast as you can. You're the middle safety. That's what you are. You are the middle deep safety. Tampa two. If John Gruden always used to say, is really three deep, four under. That's what it is. That makes sense. Right? It's three deep, four under. Except it's the two safeties and the middle linebacker down the middle. And then you got the two linebackers in the corners that are underneath, right? right? So it's three deep, four. He's Tampa, too. They're like on the 30 yard line. And he decides to get to the 10 and stop and turn around and let me look at the quarterback. And Jared Cook's running right down the field by him and goes right by him. It's always a little mix up in everything they do. How big of a deal will Eric Berry coming back be? Uh, I think it will be a big deal as far as he's by far going to be their best player in the secondary or in the back end in general, including linebackers. Every time I read your notes, I go, God damn it, the I Chiefs know. are going to lose in the first That's round. That's what scares me. I mean, you know, if they don't lose in the first round, it's only going to be because the offense has put so much pressure on whoever they're playing that they just can't keep up. But, yes, it's it's things like that. It's, you know, inconsistent run fits at times where I just go, I don't know what to say. It's weird red zone approach, right? Did you read what I wrote there? You know, okay, uh, they, they, they are in the red zone. And they rush three and they drop eight. They got eight back. Okay, that's great. So just drop back in an eight-person zone and play zone. But they're like playing zone over the middle, and they got the two guys on the outside still playing man-to-man. Well, with a three-man rush and the middle of the field being wide open, the quarterback eventually is going to go back to the receivers and go, okay, I've been sitting back here for seven seconds now. Can he shake this average DB that they have at corner covering them? Okay, bam. Then the next play, it's four-man rush at the eight-yard line. And they double the two slot guys, okay? And the other the other three guys are just on an island by themselves, and they're all, like, at the goal line or above. Like, they're not even in the end zone keeping people in front of them. Like, that, that, that makes no sense. You want to keep people in front of you in the end zone because nobody can get behind you. It's the end zone. Mm. There's the fans there. So... 
Why wouldn't you be back and then go, let me read the quarterback and react and run up, right? So, they so you just, left this game really frustrated. I, I've been frustrated with Kansas City. It's why you've heard me in some weeks say they're the fourth best team in football and things like that because I don't have faith that their defense can stop a quality offense. That's where I get really scared for them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, let me just see. Is there anything yeah, else? Yeah, make sure there's anything else before we move to Chargers Steelers. I mean, hey, you know, Jones and D Ford are amazing. We do have to say that. They're yeah. amazing. They can they they really Jones are. is really is special. special. Right. He's like Fletcher Cox. He he's like a carbon copy. He really same is. school, same body. Yeah. When he wants to take over, your guard's seven yards in the He backfield. does. And D Ford is real good. I'm not gonna say he's the best pass rusher in football or anything That's the like thing. that. Those guys make one play, the Chiefs can win by fourteen. You're exactly right. Um but the back seven, of course, is extremely disjointed and just not talented. Um and like I said in my notes, they're a dial of defense. Oh, this, this well, we played called cover three last play. Oh, let's call Tampa two this play. Like, I don't know why, but it just feels right. It's second and We're seven. try something else. Exactly. Um, so I, I just don't get that at times. And um, I guess that's it. Uh, Chargers Steelers. And I'm currently looking at Chargers offense. Oh, Steel- some of their run fits, man. I don't even know what they're expecting. This is the last thing about that. Like three receivers to the left. Everybody's this is, this is Chiefs still again. Chiefs defense. Like, and I mean, the Raiders ran the ball down them like they were like the sixty Packers. I just, I mean, what what did they run for in the game? Well, how many yards total? They ran for a hundred and seventy one yards. Jeez, yeah. So it was just like they they ask their player they they line up in defenses where I go I go you can't defend this schematically you cannot defend this like how can you line up with three receivers to the left and the tight end to the right and everybody on the back seven kicked over to the three receiver side and there's no run defenders in the so, CD gaps so the, you're telling me to the other side but the, the tight end to the daily fantasy players out there right Gus Edwards is a good buy for Sunday <sighs> I would think. I would think so. Yes, I really would. Or do yeah. you think Lamar's going to be running a lot? I don't know. It it could be both. I mean, I don't. I can't envision Kansas City stopping Baltimore a whole lot. I don't. You know, and and like I said, there it's okay. Load the box and stop the run. Lamar's good enough to throw the ball and beat people with his arm. If you're going to play one on one with are you those can, can I look up the spread really quick? Yeah. Go I ahead. got. What game do you want it for? I just looked it up. I'm, KC. KC Baltimore. KC minus six and a half. It's minus six and a half. I'm gonna have to load up on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that minus six and a half number, though, right? You always that say means, that two and a half and six and a half means Vegas, Vegas doesn't is, know where where it's gonna go. No, it means Vegas is it, they. There's something weird about it. Yeah. For the favorite. Yeah. They don't want to give it that touchdown because you never want to cross the number. There's yeah. certain magic numbers in gambling. It opened Three, seven ten. It opened Kansas City minus eight and a half. And now it's down to six. Oh, and here comes so the public. Money's betting on Baltimore early. That Damn, makes... really get if you got if you got Ravens plus eight and a half. Yeah, that's an amazing. That bet. is that is it. Hey, think about but talk about yeah. that. It, so I just said in gambling, pay attention when it crosses the numbers. Right when it crosses three seven ten, that crossed seven. It right. went from eight and a half to six and a half. That's a that's a score change. Right, that's monster. It really is. You're right. It's a score change. I mean, I wish I would have gotten on that. Right? Eight and a half, yes. Eight um, and a half. Who yeah, the hell are these people thinking? Yeah, last thing hey, with Kansas City, too. That just shows you Vegas right now is still doubting Baltimore. I mean, it ended up, you know, Atlanta was minus two. Well, yeah, game. it's hard to quantify them. <laughs> That's the problem. Um, I, I mean, the other thing that Kansas City does, too, at times, they ask their D tackles to 
two gap. You know, can't do it. Well, we got to move on. Okay, go ahead. Ch- Chargers, Steelers. Yeah. The first thing I'm seeing, the first question I have for you is, what the hell happened to the Steelers' defense in the second half? Not that much. Not that much. Well, the punt return. The punt that. return was huge. I mean, the Chargers only had the ball one drive in the third quarter. They only had the ball once. They went down and scored a touchdown. They put a drive together, really. I think what happened in the second half is if I could boil it down to one thing, it would be this. The Steelers were the better football team. The Steelers should have won the game. I'll make that bold statement right there. It was the second week in a row I came away turning the film off going, man, the Steelers were no doubt in my mind the better team on the field. And they blew it. It wasn't like the other team outplayed them or outhit them or had some schematical thing that truly exposed them. It was mistakes by Pittsburgh all night long and some unlucky stuff too. But I think what they did in the second half more than anything is they said, let's stop trying to play in the box with Pittsburgh. Let's let's get outside the box, okay? Let's spread the field. That was really the That's big thing. That's all they thing. should have done the whole time. Right. They started off the game thinking they were going to do two tight ends and fullback and tailback and play action pass and throw it. And Pittsburgh was like, sure, fine. That, you mean we can keep our front seven in the game and you want to play that with us? Bostic can stay in? Yeah, right. And, you know, then they got do, they can do creative things off of that. And that's just their game. I mean, now you got Tuit and Hayward and JJ, I mean, TJ Watt and Dupree and they're just they're good up there. Those are some dogs. I mean, dogs in a good way. So I think that's the thing that in the second half they said, let's stop this crap. We don't have Melvin Gordon this mm. week either. Let's get into more shotgun sets, spread the field, and make Pittsburgh play in space, which is still a big question mark about Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's defense is better than years past against defending the pass, but they're still not like the best pass defense I've seen, and they're still reluctant to play man-to-man at times because they just don't have enough of those guys uh, on their roster. That uh, false start. Oh, my gosh. I know. What was it like to watch it on film? Well, I mean, it's so blatant and obvious. I think that's the thing that bothers me more than anything. I mean, it just was a clear count in front of everybody else. I'll say this. I don't think it really affected the play in general. You know, it's hard to totally tell. Mike Hilton did take a... Another hop, look into the backfield, I think, maybe to go, wait, did they call false start or not? But either way, they had the right play dialed up against the right coverage. Where it was going to be very tough, and Phillip Rivers threw a perfect football. Um, but that was blatantly a false start. And really the only bright spot for the Chargers on offense in the first half. I mean, that was it. There was nothing else. Hmm. Um I was going to switch it over to the Steelers' offense because yep. I see something here that's interesting. Yep. There is a personnel that you believe puts the most dangerous Steelers offense on the field. Right. And it is 12. Yes. Who is on the field for the Steelers in 12 personnel? Yeah, I mean, because I don't think, you know, we, we all can agree that the Steelers are their third receivers. You know, who is it? Switzer, Darius Hayward Bay. Can De- you explain 12 for anyone that yeah, doesn't know? I, go, I cool. will get there. And, I mean, James Washington, right? I mean, he wasn't in the game the other night. I guess he's in the doghouse for what he did, right? Yeah. Which I understand. He's a one-trick pony anyways. But... 12 personnel is one back, two tight ends. And then there's always five skill guys on the field. So that means there's two left over for the receivers. So it's one back, two tight ends, two receivers. And And if it's 21, that's... Two backs, one one tight end, end, and then, of course, two receivers because it's it's always the sum of five. But this is 12. And, yes, I do think this is their best personnel set as just far as players on the field. So that means you're going to have Juju, A.B., the running back. Right. 
Vance McDonald and Jesse James. And Jesse James. That's right. You I think that's their best. I think that's their best 11 on offense. If I'm them and, of course, to me, they should go New England of 2011 style. Aaron Hernandez, Gronkowski. Right. I know Aaron Hernandez is not like a great name to bring up, but I'm just talking about the player and the actual schematics of what you they do. You felt my awkwardness. I there. know. It's, it is awkward. Uh, and I mean, gosh, I knew him personally, so trust me, it's more awkward for me than anything. But it's a, you know, they have a good offensive line. They can run the football. So they can put those guys in and overwhelm you with their strength and power in the run game, but also can put you in that bind to go, Vance McDonald and Jesse James can split out and be effective in the pass game. I just think it's something that they should bring to the offense more. I don't like them as much. They got away with it. They moved the ball all night on the Chargers. It never really stopped them. you know. But I do think against the better teams, that's going to be their best matchup. And I still think they should have stayed in it more the other night. I think they would have worn down the Chargers eventually. This was the other big thing that I took from your notes on this game. Yeah. When the Steelers kept their big people on the field, the Chargers were in trouble. Yes. And so my question then is for you is against teams like the Ravens maybe in the playoffs or if the Texans load up or we see the Patriots' power running game, is the way to attack the Chargers by keeping bigger formations on the field? I do Are think they a so. smaller defense? They are. They're a smaller defense. Um, you know, the Denzel Perryman's out for the yep. year. You know, I don't know what's going on with Brandon Meebane, but he hasn't played the last few weeks. He has some personal issue he's dealing with. You know, you talked about Corey Lugitz out for the year. Yep. They're a little thin up there. They don't have big middle linebackers as is. So I guess when you kind of let Bosa and Ingram rush, that's when they're more dangerous. But if they're kind of in the box getting pounded. No question. It's not, okay. what they're, it's not what they're built for. So that would certainly scare me a little bit. Yes, if they got in the playoffs and had to deal with those type of teams, uh, it could be it could be a tough day sledding for for their group. Yeah, I wanted to see the the teams they have upcoming. If anybody could try and take advantage of that. Yeah, um, but you know, as a whole, gosh, it's just you know, Big Ben missing the deep throw to Justin Hunter. Big Ben's dumb interception. New England should have been up no worse, okay? At its very worst. Did I say New England, Pittsburgh, Chargers play the Ravens in three weeks. Oh, see, that could be interesting. that'll be interesting. Yes. Um, but at the no worst, halftime score should have been twenty nine to seven, Pittsburgh, and realistically probably should have been thirty three to seven, because he should have hit Justin Hunter for the wide open touchdown that he missed, right? Which was unbelievable. But the series before that, they were also down there, and he threw that dumb interception to Derwin James too, which you know I don't know what the hell he was thinking or doing or trying to get accomplished there. The guy was open; he had him. He just got to throw it. He threw like a fadeaway jumper, and the ball went nowhere, and it came out of his hand funny. If someone can explain to me how Derwin James lasted to that point in the draft, I still don't It's care. really weird, right? Where really are is. these other guys? Really, I mean, and I wasn't even a guy that was as high on him as some of the other people, but even I was like, he's top 10 or top 12. Yeah. I mean, he. it is amazing that he fell into their lap. Browns, Texans. Yeah. I know you watched this one on the train. Yeah. Texans. What, did you get more confident after it, or was it this is just them beating up on the Browns? No, uh, it, it made Where me... Where are they as a unit right now? Yeah, the, the the Texans, I think the big thing to watch for is just the development more of their pass game, like we've talked about. What do you see? Well, it's just, it's feast or famine. It's run the ball, and then it's drop back, and we look for a 20-yard completion. It's run the ball, it's we drop back, and we're looking for another chunk play in the pass game. And nothing's easy. Nothing is easy. Like sometimes those guys are open and it becomes easy because it's a great game plan or, or they call it the right play or right. Something like that. But I'm just saying 
that to me are things they need to fix a little bit. They need to find a few ways to get some shorter, easier completions in their drop back pass game, just in case. So again, I'm trying to measure these teams against the teams they're going to have to play in the playoffs. And that's these questions that I bring up. I'm not worried about what they'll do against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or somebody like that. I'm trying to say these are the flaws of their team that are going to arise in playoff football with good defenses and extra breakdowns and, and it everything turns like that. Like a half court game in basketball, pretty much. Exactly right. Hand usage and all that. Exactly. Exactly right. The is it the, do they have a lot of cross? Like I don't I don't feel like I turn on the Texans and see a lot of bunch. No, they're not very really much like that. They're kind of and I see athletes at tight end. They do. They got athletes at tight end. They're trying to figure out who they got to get as the, the slot receiver. DeAndre Carter looked very good. Yes, he did. I mean, Watson's throwing the ball and moving around. I mean, amazing. Is he running enough? There's a time or two where I just go, just go. Get out of the I, pocket. Go. I watch him and I go, if they have to play in New England in the in the playoffs, yeah. I hope a coach can get in his ear and go, we need you to risk it a little yeah. bit tonight. Yeah, yeah. Almost, I, almost kind of run a little bit too much right. in the beginning. Yeah. And I think, you know, he'll have that sense when that time comes. He's, gonna he's know. a gamer. He is a gamer. And he's going to know he's in New England. And he went balls out last year when he was there. Yes, Remember in that game? Yes, he did. So Texans defense. How much fun is it to watch? I mean, this is one of my favorite watches. I think you're in that agreement as well. It's the first year that we're getting Clowney, Watt, and Merciless together healthy. No doubt. With Honey Badger in the back end giving them attitude, and too. And Covington and Reader. Right. And I think everything we saw from that or thought about of that game was really true. Like, this is Baker's never seen a defense like this. I'm sure. This, Did you sense that? Well, this front four, the disguises, the game plan defense of a Romeo Cornell where, yeah, this is cover four, but you haven't seen cover four like this. We've mm. got a special cover four for you or whatever it may be. So, yes, uh, they made some incredible plays. Baker threw really, you know, I knew he threw the three picks. The one-handed interception was amazing play. That got returned for the pick six. He threw an under route that he shouldn't have thrown. I think that was Jonathan Joseph. That was really like just a bad one. He just shouldn't have thrown. And I'm trying to. I'm blanking out on the third int. I'm going to pull well, it up. The, the Browns also made some plays where Antonio Callaway was going to score like a huge touchdown and fumbled in the end zone. He had another one where like they got one called back. That was the play. same drive. Same drive. Like they had a huge Post touchdown over the to- top. Called back holding, by a penalty. Right. And then like throws to Callaway. Later. Runs all the way down the field and fumbles into the end zone. It strips at the one-yard one, one yard just, line. You know, that's the difference between the Browns and the Texans. It is. Um, but I'll just say this once again for the Browns. I really like where the Browns are going. And Baker Mayfield is some player. Man, is he some player. I mean, he really is. I don't give a damn that they lost and he threw three interceptions. I'm just telling you what he brings to the table as a top-level talent and going forward and he starts to learn the nuances of the NFL and what he can and can't get away with, which he will because he's a smart guy and he understands how to play ball. I'm just so impressed with him on a weekly basis with composure in the pocket, Movement in the pocket, movement in the pocket while keeping the eyes down the field, and his throwing is off the charts. It's off the charts. I'm not saying it's Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers, but damn, it's the next tier down. Wow. It's that good. Yes. It, there's something that you're going to have to look at with your college scouting going forward. Yes. Yeah. I chickened out with him. Well, no, no, no. This is yeah. what it is. There are some guys that you've now said Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield are the same. Right. Where you go, 
He's got the zip. Yeah. I just don't know if he can do it all the time. Right. I felt like you said the same thing about Jared Goff, and we're starting to see that too. Sure. I feel like if you see the zip. Right. Just go with it. When you when they get in the NFL, yeah. they're so, going to realize they got to do it all the time. Yeah, right. Now, there's going to be like the Josh Allens where you're like, this is special. Yeah, Carson right. Wentz, this right. is special. Right. But it's the gamers. Like the like We knew that Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield were gamers. Yes. And you saw the zip and you went, I just don't know if I'm going to get it all the time. Yeah. Like you said from Baker, it pops out of his hands. Yeah. That's not a question. Right. Just know that it's going to be every time. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. That's he, what I think it is. Definitely with Deshaun, for sure. Baker was a little of that, a little of the easiness of the completions he got at Oklahoma time. And the size scared me. It just scared me. That's I all have, it was. You don't have to defend that. Where I, I was just like, I, watched, I don't know. I'm I watched sure. the Georgia game and went, right. nope, I'm uh, out. Yeah, right. I got scared of some of those instances. All right, right. let's go around the league, some news and notes. Yep. Interesting situation in Pantherville. Carolina uh, defensive coordinator Eric Washington demoted. Ron Rivera is going to call the defensive plays and defensive Defensive line coach Brady Hoke, assistant secondary quarterbacks coach Jeff Imamora, both fired. So the Carolina Panthers are on a little downturn right now. That sounds like a complete defensive overhaul. Every level of the defense has been demoted or gone. Yeah, say those last two again. Who are the. Well, so, your man Brady Hoke. Yep. And Jeff Imamora. Right. Damn. So, assistant secondary cornerbacks coach. Yeah, so they're not happy with the way their defense has been gashed for the last four weeks, basically. They're going to change things up. But okay, Ron Rivera is going to get back in the game. This is where he got a head coaching job anyways. So, okay. Yeah, they've let up a number of big plays. I don't have a great feel for that Tampa game yet last week, so I'm not going to be able to tell you a whole lot Just felt from like there. a lot of big Cam Newton errors throwing balls into play. I mean, you throw like three or four. No question. I just, I want to see, I don't know what happened to their defense in the game itself, and I think Look, that's what scares listen me. Listen the last few weeks. Yeah. 52 to Pittsburgh. Yep. They lose 20 to 19 to Detroit, and truly, the yardage there was the issue. Detroit marched up and down the field. Yes, they 30 did. to the Seahawks and 24 to Tampa Bay, yeah. and now they're playing at Cleveland. Oof. Yeah, we'll yeah that'll be scary. Uh, next one, the Packers coaching search. Some quick hits here. Yeah, Linebackers coach Winston Moss fired after tweeting about Aaron Rodgers. The tweet was, quote, ponder this. What championship teams have are great leadership, period. It's not the offensive guru trend. It's not the safe trend. Find somebody that's going to hold number 12 and everybody in this building to a hashtag Lombardi standard, period. Hashtag losing sucks. Soon after, he tweeted out, the Packers have informed me that they're letting me go. Hashtag thanks, Twitter. Your point was the best. My point is his tweet is 100% correct. He's right. I mean, successful football teams, everybody's held accountable. Joe Montana was held accountable with Bill Walsh. We know Tom Brady's accountable to Bill Belichick. I mean, all we ever hear is about stories about how free agents are shocked that Bill Belichick yells at Tom Brady the same way he yells at the seventh round pick in the draft. So, yes, Bill Parcells, he certainly didn't favor my father anyway. Jimmy Johnson wasn't favoring Troy Aikman or anybody else either. So, yes, that's what great teams do. Everybody's accountable in the whole building. It's not just the quarterback, it's the equipment staff. It's creating the championship aura 
of your football team. Now, the championship aura of a football team and a winning culture doesn't have assistant coaches tweeting out about what it takes to become a winning culture or a successful football I've yet to see the linebackers coach for the New England Patriots tweet out anything since Bill Belichick's taken over. Why so would point any was right. coach be on Twitter? Right. For and what? Right. Just saw a great movie starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Had to let you guys know. Right. Like, what are you tweeting about? Yeah. Hashtag thanks Twitter. I don't know what else to say. No, well, here, my question is: yeah. Did that tweet sound like championship teams have great leadership? It's not the offensive guru, the safe find. Someone's going to hold him available. Was that at Aaron, or was that the fact that he was the associate head coach and he was not the interim head coach? Yeah, I don't because I will be honest. Right. If I was the associate head coach, right. which is usually a top like a title they give people that are rising up the coaching ranks and they're afraid of losing and they call me the associate head coach because there's no other job they can give them because the head coach is and they're gonna we're gonna make them feel happy. If I'm the associate coach, assistant head coach. Assistant head coach, yeah. and you give it to Philbin, right? Who is proven in this league not to be a head coach? Yeah, I would be pissed. Yeah, I don't think I'd tweet about it, right? But do you think it was more about being passed over or upset about Aaron Rodgers not being held accountable? I don't think it's. I don't look at it as Aaron Rodgers. I don't. I think he's tweeting that out to go like, no one man is above the team or the whole team, and he's just trying to give you his thing that. You know, in a great football team, there's no star that's ever just let off the hook or any great franchise that way. I'm sure he was a little bitter about being stepped over as well. But he also has enough sense to know, like, come on, you've been around football a long time. I was shocked when I saw the tweet. And I'm not going to lie, I saw the tweet. And I, my original thought was exactly what I just told you, that he's exactly right. But in that tweet, he's actually being hypocritical himself yeah. because he's doing something a championship team wouldn't do. I didn't know he got fired until this morning. So I never looked at anything last night. So you know, You've I, always asked for coaches to be held to the same standard that the players are when it comes to discipline. And he got fired. He got fired. Good yep. for them. And, you know, and the, the, the acting GM, Mark, Mur- or Mark Murphy, the acting president, and Gutenkloost, they don't want to hear that. Yeah. They don't want to hear that from an assistant coach. Like, you know, it, it looks bad so, on them. And it, I heard someone right. call Brian Gutenkoost Gutkist. Gutkist? Gutkist. Like the, the N's not pronounced. It is something like that. It's, Gutkist. It's not that. It's good. Good, cause I always also, mess it up. has any human being ever looked like his name more than Mark Murphy? <laughs> like, when, when Mark Murphy came on the TV, I was like, I knew that, and I didn't even need to see a picture. Yeah, it's pretty spot on. Uh, Chris Carter says that Jim Harbaugh is trying to get out of Michigan for either Cleveland or Green no. Bay. What do you mean? Oh, it's four years. It's time to go. You're right. Jim Harbaugh, it's like, I'm going to change. This is going to be a long-term relationship. Right. I just thought Harbaugh should stay and maybe get a win over Ohio State. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, Urban's finally leaving. You have a chance You got a chance now, yeah. Um, I get it. You know, I think Jim Harbaugh is a really good football coach. You know that I think he's also a really overrated football coach. I mean, people talk about him like he's Urban Meyer and Nick Saban, and he gets paid more than them. And I want to go, whoa, like, hold on. He's really good. And he knows how to manage a football team, and he makes them tough, and they're detailed. Um, but, you know, I, again, yeah, I don't – I just think it's it's a little overrated in my fa- – in my, you know, I always go back to, like, he's supposed to be an offensive coach. His offenses always stink. I'm getting a weird feeling he's going to get one of these jobs. Whenever there's a big game, yeah, I, I mean – 
He could. I get it. It's going to make the fan base feel good if they get him. How would him and Aaron Rodgers get along? I feel like him and Baker Mayfield could get along for right. a little bit. Right. I feel like him and Aaron Rodgers would not get along at all. I, I feel like he'd look at Aaron and be like, let's go, quarterback. I need you. And Aaron would be like, dude, I don't want to go back to college. Yeah, I know. I uh, I don't think he's as college as you think. But, yes, his old school thoughts Who's he going to bring in as the offensive mind? I mean, it's never changed. The offense has been horrible everywhere. I just, I just don't think people realize that. The only thing that saved him in San Francisco was Kaepernick's ability to run, and Greg Roman put in the read option and the quarterback design run plays that gave him some offensive explosiveness from that standpoint. Arians has come out and said, I'm not interested in the Packers' job. Yeah, I'm only interested in the Browns' right. job. One, it makes sense. The Browns are poised to have a run, and as you've mentioned before, when you're the Browns, if you take them to the playoffs, yes. you're a saint. Right. You might get a seven-year extension mm-hmm. if that happens. But what do you think about Bruce Arians just coming out and going, not interested in the Packers? I think the Packers have a weird power structure that's a turnoff to a lot of coaches. I think that's Mark really... Mark Murphy's being like, I'm the president, everything funnels to me now. Right. It's just... It's... You don't have an owner that you can go to and go, this guy's crazy. Exactly right. There's no, like... There's no safe space. They're definitely not. And, you know, the owner is... Even though he's the owner, he's still the owner and the leader in the building when he's there. And he's a presence and he keeps everybody in line from that step. I think just think there's a lot of things there... You know, everybody seems to always think it's all about Rodgers. Oh, he's saying he doesn't want to go there and coach Rodgers. That's, that's the first thing I heard this morning. He's just, he doesn't want to go coach Rodgers. I mean, come on. He coached Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Andrew Luck. I mean, nobody's more of a diva than Ben Roethlisberger. If he can get along with him, then he'll be fine with Aaron Rodgers. Come on. That's crazy. You know, even back to the, the, the Moss uh, tweet. Yes. You know, it, it's the first thing. Is everybody, oh, is he taking a shot at Rodgers? Can Rodgers... Does Rodgers not held accountable? Can Rodgers not lead the team? I don't know. Rodgers can't lead the team until it comes time to lead the team late in the fourth quarter, and he always seems to lead the team, and everybody goes, we want him leading the team, but we're going to blame him now for not leading the team. I don't know. Mm. I just I can't. It's about, i got to spat off. The, the other names that were mentioned a lot, and we spent some time on them, but I wanted to dive deeper, Lincoln Riley and also Cliff Kingsbury, but mainly Lincoln Riley. And your point was, if you really look at the college coaches that went on to have success in the NFL, they already had an NFL background. Right. So let me go over. Yeah. Bill Walsh was one of those guys, uh, had success in college, went to the NFL, spent 10 years with Paul Brown before he went to Stan- right. Stanford. Right. Uh, if you look at, look, Steve Spurrier went from college to the NFL, didn't work out. You mentioned Chip Kelly, didn't work out. The guys that have offensive masterminds, it doesn't work out sometimes. No. Bobby Petrino, college to the NFL, didn't work out. Steve Mariucci had an NFL background. Before he was there was in, in Green Bay with Holmgren and the whole group. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think. Jimmy Johnson, not an offensive guy. Lou nope. Holtz, definitely not an offensive guy. Al Groh, didn't really work out. Dennis Green. and Yeah. I mean, Al Groh had an NFL background anyways first. Right. He was under Parcells' staff. He was with my dad when I was growing up. So that's your main thing. And Paul Brown, you know, I mean, it's hard to say he went from college to the NFL. The NFL didn't even really exist. Yeah, it's a different Paul generation Brown. there. But your main thing is Lincoln Riley's offense isn't that advanced in the NFL standard. Not at all. And Kingsbury just signed with USC, so right. he's out of the Right, NFL and search. I mean, that's the first thing. I mean, nobody was offering Cliff Kingsbury a head coaching job in college. He was being offered an OC job, but yet the media was trying to say, oh, he might be an NFL head coach. Why? Because he's handsome and young and his team throws for a lot of yards. I'll say this. Kingsbury, 
and I know we're talking more Lincoln Riley here, they both have the personality and charisma and the ability to lead players and be a head coach, even in the NFL. They do have that in them. Like, they're guys that I've met and I've been around, and I go, he's a head coach. I can picture myself in the meeting room listening to that guy, and I respect him, mm. right? And there's other guys I've met where I'm just like, there's no way he can ever be a head coach. Oh, my gosh, he got hired as a head coach. It won't last long. Let me look at my clock. And usually I'm right. There's been a few maybe here or there that I've been wrong about. But the, the Lincoln-Riley thing, Yes, I guess at my base level, what I want to just say is college football is a different animal. There's 20-hour rule. There's only so much you can coach your team, and there's only so much the team you're playing against can coach their players too. And I think if you know everybody out there listening to this pod and if we all got to sat down and we watched Big 12 football together and I showed you you know, Oklahoma State, uh, Oklahoma State versus, versus Oklahoma, I, we'd watch the game, and i go, look, everybody, look, here's Oklahoma State. This is play 80, and you've seen this coverage 65 times. And the other 15 are another coverage that are also very simple. So it's very easy, let alone that there's not a lot of defensive good players in, that are NFL caliber in the Big 12. And his offense, it's a spread offense. Yes, Oklahoma's always the most talented team on the field in the always. Big 12, right? always. But all I'm saying at the base level of this is there's just not the offense isn't as expansive as people think or think it looks on TV. There's just not a lot of different concepts. I'll finish my thought. Oh, there's just not a lot of different concepts within the offense. And when you break down the offense, like there's not as many plays as you think. Now he knows how to call the plays and tie some together, and certainly, but I don't think you know the offense has enough inventory, is what I'm saying, Josh to hang in there against the NFL quite yet. I mean, I don't think he knows how to use the fullback and use that part of the offense, the two tight end look. All of those things, you can't just get in the NFL and go, oh, we're going to run shotgun, and I'm going to throw the ball and run bubble screens to my receivers. Like, the NFL will catch on to you in two seconds, and, you know, I know they're all looking for the young hot shot. I get that. But McVay and Shanahan and McDaniels, are like all NFL upbringings. From their childhood. From their because chi- of their families. McVeigh started with Gruden and then went with Mike Shanahan and was under Kyle Shanahan, and then he went to the Rams. Kyle Shanahan, of course, was with Gruden as well, and then went and worked for Gary Kubiak, and then went to his dad and learned some more football before then he even had to go a few other places before he became the head coach, but the NFL background, because you see more complex defenses and you got to have more complex offenses to match that at times, is a very important thing in this aspect. And like the two people Lefko brought up would be my case in point. I mean, the world was so excited when Steve Spurrier left Florida. And Dude, Steve Spurrier he was... He went to Washington, and they were like, this is going to be a revolution. And then Steve Spurrier... He tore up the preseason, if anybody will remember. Mm. He scored like 50-something points on Bill... I feel like Petrino did, too. Bill Belichick and the Patriots, he scored like 50 points in a preseason game against Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, who like are the exact opposite, where they're like, we're just playing this coverage in preseason game number two, because I don't think my guys have cover two down yet, so we're not going to move on until then. But what happened to Steve Spurrier? I played him his first year there, because I was in Tampa. Man, that offense sucked. I, mean, I don't know what other way to say it. There was 10 plays. 
Everybody in the NFL knew his offense by week six. And that's what happened with Chip Kelly, and too. And exactly what happened to Chip Kelly. At least you guys had some talent to kind of show it for a little Sean while. Sean McCoy in his prime, Michael Jeremy Vick. Macklin, Deshaun Jackson, yeah. Michael Vick, a good offensive line, you Todd Harris. for a little while. Yeah. Right. But I can also remember, yes, the league caught on to Chip Kelly in a hurry. And I can also remember them going to scrimmage a team in the preseason his second year. And I just remember talking to one of the coaches and just going, I don't get it. I mean, why everyone's calling this guy a, a, an offensive genius. I mean, he's, this guy, this one coach just goes to me, they got two run plays. It's two. And he goes, and from what I've seen, it's eight pass plays. That's it. It's the whole offense. And, of course, everybody caught on. And you've seen now, and even college football has caught on. His offense ain't doing crap there either. The lip flap was the best. So, it was against the Eagles. Right. The slow motor. So that was my rant on Lincoln Riley can do it at some point, but I just think he has to expand his horizons and inventory. So I know that a lot of Saints fans hate me. Yeah. They do not like me. Join the club, Saints fans. I just want to say this. The Saints right now, what are they? 10 and 2? Yeah. In my opinion, mm-hmm. the Saints are going to win the next four games. They're going to beat the Steelers at home. They're going to beat the Panthers twice. They're going to beat the Bucks. They're going to finish this year 14-2. and two. The Rams are going to lose a game before the end of the year, and the Saints are going to have home field advantage. You're going to get them to the number one? I believe the Saints are going to the Super Bowl. I thought about this today. Yeah. I believe that no one in the NFC is capable of going into New Orleans and beating the Saints. Right. I also think that let's say the Rams don't lose a game and they play in L.A., I don't see the Rams beating the Saints in L.A. I don't think they have enough of a home field advantage. No. I think that the loss to Dallas will actually spur the Saints to make the Super Bowl run. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah. that's. I mean, hey, listen, I, I hear you. I'm not going to quite... I'm not quite getting him out of the woods of the Rams yet. I'm not afraid of the Bears. You know. I'm not afraid of the Vikings. No, I don't think not you should afraid be. Of the, if they play the Cowboys again, I'm more confident right. that they're going to win this time. Right. But I, I know the Rams are really good. I just think the Saints are going to have that number. Yeah. Because when it comes down to it, Jared Goff or Drew Brees in that big game, both of them are executing the systems. Yeah. I got more faith in Drew. Well, every team has their kryptonite in the NFL. There's nobody that's above kryptonite, okay, in the NFL. At some point, you're going to play a team that go, damn, we don't match up well with them. And I do think for the Rams, it is the Saints. I think they're one of the biggest kryptonites they have because they have the offensive line that can, and they have Andrews Pete who could slow down the Aaron Donald and all that. They have the creative attack to mess with the Peters and the Akeem Talibs and the, the LaMarcus Joiners in the back ends. And then they have a good defensive run stopping defense that can go. Oh, I know you guys are awesome at passing, but we can keep people back in the pass game a little bit because we're pretty good at stopping the run up front. So they and are they have a, a team coach, that matches up, and well. they have a coach yeah. that's one of the few guys in the NFL yeah. that you can go. It's a wash, right? Him and McVeigh, right? Not a lot of teams could yeah. do that. I mean, I, I I hear your thought all the way. I'm a little still torn between who's better, the Rams or the Saints. It's very close to me. I have days where I go, it's the Saints, but I have days like today where I would go, oh, it might be the Rams. Tlaib makes it interesting. It does make it interesting. Thursday night football, let's do our preview now so that people can be prepared for the game. Jaguars versus the Titans. Mm. Um, All right. Jaguars played their best game of the year on defense last week. I watched that film, 
and they were phenomenal. I mean, you know, I know they were they're pissed off, and there's coaching changes and whatever else. And hey, the Colts were missing tight end play, so they didn't get to get in some of those sets that burned Jacksonville the first time around. But I'm just talking about from the front four to being sound in the back end where they didn't blow anything. They played really good football game against the Colts last week. And I don't even know what Titans team we're going to get. I, that's the Titans are maybe the most confusing team in football for how like was, the second year in a row. How was Cody Kessler? Cody, I mean, Ke- they put up six points. Yeah, no, I did not watch that part of it enough to tell you that <laughs> all the way. All I know is what I could tell you from this point. The like I said on Monday, I think I said it on Monday. Maybe I didn't, but the Colts. Should have oh, been yeah. prepared to win that game nine to six. Yeah. They could have won the game nine to, if they just on the three fourth and shorts they have in Jacksonville territory. If they just kick the field goal, they're going to win the game. Mm. I didn't watch the other side of the ball yet. Titans I, always so. seem to have the Jaguars number. They do seem to. Yes, they do. Beat them five out of the last six. Yep. Did it earlier this year in Jacksonville. This game's now in Tennessee. I mean, I would think this is just going to be the ugliest defensive struggle. I think this game, what, what was the score earlier this year? Was it 12-9? The score earlier this year, it was it was at Jacksonville's 9-6 Titans. I, don't be shocked if that's what it is again. I mean, I don't imagine Cody Kessler and that group. They do have Fournette this week, but... That's a tough matchup for their offense, the Titans' D, right? And then the other side, of course, we know it's going to be tough sledding for the the Titans' offense versus the Jags' D. Who are you taking? Well, the line, when we saw it a few days ago, was Titans minus four and a half. Still four and a half. It's a lot of points Mm. for a a matchup that kind of goes back and forth like this. If I'm going to do some of my research right here live, uh, last year, they beat the crap out of the Jaguars in Jacksonville, and that home only won by five right. at the very end of the year. Yeah. And that was the Mariota standing over the right. defense game and, and proclaiming. I think that I look at Tennessee, and they come off a game in which they roar back at the end. Jacksonville beats Indy in their best performance. Um, I know, it's a tough one. Because like, it can be one of those games where it's it's 6-3, Yes. It's 6-6, six, six, and finally Jacksonville's defense has been on the field too much, and they let up a play, and all of a sudden they lose 13-6, to six, or they lose 16-6. to six. I think in the end the Titans have more to play for. Yeah. And I, I think that I think that Jacksonville's in spoiler mode, and they got such a good spoil last week that I don't think they spoil again. I think this is going to end up being 16-9 Titans. 16-9 Titans, and we know we're getting Fournette, right, this week? Yes. So you're saying 16-9. You're saying they're going to cover. How do you think that Fournette would run against this Titans defense? I do. I think he'll be able to run on them a little bit. I think really, really what I really worry about is them just being able to throw the ball. You know, again, DPs, Vrabel, the things they do, they can be very yeah, I'm unique. I'm going 16-9 Titans. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think I'm going to go 13-9 Titans. You're going to cover. I'm going to go with the cover. Uh, this might change by tomorrow, too, when it I really could. dive into it. it. All right, let's go to some fan questions really quick. Steeler Nation 84, thank you so much, Antonio dude. Antonio Brown? I, I, feel like I, I feel like I've literally talked to Steeler Nation 84 so many times. A question for the pod. We always hear Sims reciting offensive play calls, and I like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious as to what a defensive play call sounds like. Mm-hmm. Do they just say a coverage, or is it like the offense where there's parts for different groups? Yeah, it's parts for different groups. It'd be like... Uh, Six! Yeah. Break. 57 <laughs> over 2 will. 
or like stuff stuff like that. I don't even know if I can give you a legit defensive play call. And it's not like what the D line's doing, what the linebackers yeah, it doing. It will be because like the number will say like this is the alignment we're in up front, and the over is going to say something about the linebackers, and then you know the last number you hear is going to be about the coverage. So like, they never just yell, just cover them. And, but uh, they have cold, everyone man up. They have cold, you know a lot of words for you know what stunts they want to bring and things like that. You know we're. We're going to go Roger, Roger, 11, Robber. Roger, Roger, 11, Robber. And then they break the huddle. Like, it's like shit like that where, you know, we're going to go twist, double, read, cover four, and break the huddle. That's what, you know, and it's like twist, all right, twist up front, double read means if they go from one formation to the number formation, we got to check out of it. Like, so it's kind of defensive calls like that. It's like Mm. six, seven words that each word has kind of some in-depth meaning. That sounds so much better. Yeah, well, there's more moving parts in the NFL. I mean, I mean, when I was a quarterback in the NFL, I used to just go, man, it must be amazing to play on defense. Just go, there's ball, me go tackle ball. There's receiver, yeah. me cover receiver. Like, well, that, I used to be jealous of them. That's why the the part of a football game that makes all the fans feel smart yeah. is when the quarterback kind of looks and does something, right? and then the announcer goes, and then the play happens, and he throws a go route for a touchdown, and he goes, so what happened there is he saw the coverage, and he gave the signal, and everyone's like, I understand football. He saw it, and he said, you just go, and I'm going to throw it to you. That's when we feel smart, mm-hmm. when we can explain things. Sure. This is a question I'm going to need your help on, Josh. This is from... Uh, Nadav Genisov. Genisov. There is a mic'd up video of Darius Leonard where he does a drill and says that he hates it. Do you remember what the drill was? Did he put it in there? No, I didn't see the drill. Was there any drill that Sims can think of that he just hated? Oh, what? I know the first one out of my mic. Like, you know the damn thing you got to run through? Oh, those things things are hard. No crap. So I will say this. So it's the running back drill where you hold the ball and there's these little things They're sticking on, like, out. They're on like tension. They look like bowling plastic. pins. Yeah, right. And you run through them. My whole life, I thought they were like floppy. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, because when you see like Marshall Falk run through, they're like, the first time I went with you to training camp. Yeah. I went out. Actually, I was covering a high school football practice in Louisville and I walked up and I like touched one and I was like, ow. And then I tried to walk through. And if you try and do it slowly, it's almost worse. And I was like, this is awful. Right. Why did you have to do that as a quarterback? Ball Ball protection. Yeah. So wait, when did you first start doing that? I mean, I probably did it in high school a few times. College, maybe a few times NFL almost never until Jeff Fisher Josh McDaniels because it's New England and we're going to work on ball security every day not just when we fumble the ball and then go we need to work on our ball security which is the correct way exactly of course it is it just sucks to be correct sometimes so every day you would have what like bruises on your elbows I mean yeah we didn't always run through that thing but we were always going to do some sort of drill of ball security always every day but yeah I would be like Man, I gotta go through this, and I'd be so worried about my private parts and all of those things. They're right at that area. They're right at that area. So, and you're like, if that thing hits home, I'm in trouble. I'm done for the day. But it's one of those things: the faster you run through it, the Easy. less it hurts. Yes. If you go through slow, you start to feel those plastic things hit you, and you go, Look, "Damn, it's, that it's hurts!" Like, it's like any gauntlet. Right. If you run through a gauntlet, you're not going to get hit by as many things. Exactly. But if right. you walk it, shame. Yeah. Shame. That was that was probably like the worst thing. And then punishment at Texas. 
punishment in Texas was brutal. If we lost a game at Texas, the next day was going to be miserable for us. How dare we lose? And we were going to go out and do things like um, bear crawl. Oh, yeah. You've always mentioned bear, bear crawl. Bear crawl, 10 yards, do five up-downs, bear crawl, 10 yards, do five up-downs, up and down the field until we couldn't do it anymore. Josh, what did you ever have any anything in sports that practice-wise? Because I know mine. Uh, high, I hated high school soccer. We used to have like a, it was a three mile run to a church down the road, oh, and we would have yeah. to do that timed. And Ooh. then if we lost or if we did it too slow, we would they would just be like, just do it again. And yeah, I, have to turn back I know left goes all the way. What was my least favorite drill? Suicides. Mine were actually seventeens. Oh. What are seventeens? Seventeens were just running up and back the the short part of the basketball court. Sideways or sideways, thank you. But having to do seventeen in a minute, and I always would sit there and I'd go. The worst part when you're getting punished is when you know that you're not even capable of finishing on time, and it's not if I have to do it again; it's I'm going to do it again. I am not fast. Like that's not like I am. I'm okay at short area quickness, and even that's a struggle. But I would be like, guys, the quickest I can do is thirteen. Yeah. And I would just be running all the time. Oh, suicides? Oh, man. Oh, they're brutal. The worst would be, it's a lot like when we were playing the Melvins in that M&M game. Yeah. And I thought that I was making really good time. And I would look up and see like people already going the full suicide and back. And be like, oh, I have you're no You're like stressing out. I have no point. pace. Yes. Well, those were killer. Yeah. Um, all right. We are wrapped. That was, that was it. Just two. Okay. Um, again, check out Sims and Lufko. We hung out with Jamal Adams, best safety in the NFL. He talked about how even he is tired of seeing other defenses posing in the end zone, and that's the Saints thing, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah. And we literally smashed crap, and I almost broke Jamal's eyeball. Yeah. And you'll see that. Yep. Um, but we have our bet show, and I'm telling you, I don't even know the numbers, but I know it's close. I know it's very close. It's going to be great. Really? Four Sims. Peace out, homies. Four Fedra. Good evening, everybody. I am the L-E-F-K-O-E. Man. And I know I told you to listen to Method Man. I want to apologize if you didn't know what the first 50 seconds were going to be. It's a little intense. So maybe skip ahead. We'll holler at you guys later. Peace. Did he say it in Wu-Tang? 